Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. Get your stinking hands off me, you damn dirty podcast. That was bad. Well, I don't know who that get, was supposed get to be. your dirty stinking hands. Michael Clark Duncan. I don't think I, I'm, I'm capable of going to that register. Good. 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 He's, he's, good. I'm not taking the bait. It's a beautiful voice. He I had mean, such a great voice. He did. He did. Kilowog. Kilowog himself. Kilowog, Kilowog. and... Um, uh, Colonel Atar himself. Colonel Atar. Those are the two roles I'm sure he would like <laughs> yeah, to be known to be for. <laughs> Kilowog and Atar. Yeah, the top of his uh, his resume. Yeah, because he also had a real pretty face, and we're citing the two performances where you don't see it. That's true, too. I feel like they tried to sell Atar like he was going to be the Darth Maul of this movie. <laughs> I, Atar was like front and center in the marketing, partially, I think, because his armor is cool. The makeup's incredible. Makeup's incredible. Everyone was all in on MCD. I think it's more that, yeah. It Nikki was D's, like, we were buying in. Yeah, we we were, we were. he was an Oscar, a recent Oscar nominee. Right, this is like his first post-Oscar performance. Yes. Right? Well, he'd first been in- First um, shot after. Probably, because he'd been in the whole nine yards. Right, but that comes That's out just, like you know, yeah. a week after he's nominated. I'm saying this is like, here's my first big career right. decision. Right. And everyone's like, oh my God, he's going to play an ape. Which now I think those headlines would get a little shaky. Yeah. A little. A, a little? A little shaky. <laughs> uh-huh. But it's just the idea of like, oh my God, he's like such a physical, imposing, sure. put him in a big block. But twisted mind of Tim Burton. It gave us a bowl of diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> I just was leaving this to you. Here's a hot take. I think this is the only movie he's made that doesn't feel like he directed it. I there's very little Burton in this movie, right? Because even fair, like yeah. Alice in Wonderland, which is the other movie of his that I hate, right? These are the only two that I hate, right? Right. Uh, that movie is like fuck. This is like too much Burton, right? Without any sort of center. Whereas this is just like I don't know what this is. There's one scene where I feel like, oh, this is a Tim Burton movie. Which one it was the scene with all the apes sitting around the dinner right. table, which is like the say. Beetlejuice scene yes. with apes, and you literally have Otho. You have yeah. ape Otho, Otho But other than that scene, yes. it's that stuff is the only stuff that feels Burtony is the where he's like, let's get into ape high society, right? Yeah. Because, uh, uh, you know, I mean, we, we've been going through that. Of course, the podcast is blank check. And the, the cutesy chimpanzee stuff, I guess. The actual chimpanzee. Oh, you're talking you know, about Pericles? Per Pericles. The real chimp. Yeah, real chimp. You're talking about Pericles, one of my top five movie friends? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the only thing I like about this movie? It's cool. He's a cool chimp. Oh, I mean, look, Pericles. Mm -hmm. Fox. Um, this podcast is called Blank Check with Griffin and David. Yep. It's about podcasts. It's not... It's about filmographies. I did not sleep much last night. Nope. It's about filmographies. Directors who have massive success earlier on in their career are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. Right. Sometimes those checks clear, and sometimes they bounce baby. This is a mini-series on the films of Tim Burton. Okay. And this is when we're, we're fully getting into sort of a, the key transition point where things start to go bad. <laughs> this is it. The right? transition from good yes. to bad. But, but it's the transition from, as you're saying, like, well, but Tim Burton, you know, like, he he's there and he made the movie. Maybe it's not your favorite. Yes. 
Like Sleepy Hollow is a fully defensible movie. This is an indefensible movie. Correct. Uh, I mean, the miniseries is, of course, called uh, Pop Word Scissor Cast. Yeah. Our guest today is, of course, Matt Singer. Long awaited. Of course. Long awaited. Of course. The only person who was willing no, to sit through no. Planet of the Apes. No, we oh. said, please come save us from the Planet of the Apes. I can, I can, I can offhand <laughs> think of so many people who unfortunately would have been like, let me have that movie. I think we threw to you way in advance. Yeah. Well, you like you the did. apes. Yeah, I do like the You pop. like the yeah. apes. Well, the good ones, yes. Sure. Right. And we were like, this is such a tough movie to talk about. You, you like the good ones, like General Krull. That's mm. a good ape character You like the good movie. ones, like Limbo. Limbo. <laughs> no, he's not good. He's, he's bad. He's great. He's a slave trader. Name one bad thing about him. <laughs> one. Participates in the slave trade. Two bad things about him. Doesn't dress great. Bad. Three. His teeth are not outstanding. Sure. Uh, Dental hygiene could use work. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to the big question right off the bat. Which is the better performance in this? Giamatti or Roth? Oh, I think Giamatti by leaps and bounds. I unfortunately agree. No, it, I think Roth, the makeup is given incredible. a great performance. Yeah. But I think Roth's performance is just like, yeah. like over and over and over again. Who's Roth in this? He's the main bad guy. Fade. Fade. General Fade. General Fade. Bernie, you don't remember General Fade. I mean, oh, I, I think remember. he channeled all of his obvious fury at having to sit in a freaking <laughs> makeup chair for eight hours a day or whatever he had to do. He also right? suffered uh, many injuries in the oh, filming in this movie. And also like the thing where they were like, we, we know you hate Charlton Heston and guns. You have this big scene where he talks to you about a gun for a while. You're just going to have to do that. Yeah. Use it. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. I always, I, I just dug into that, the, all the stories about him not wanting to shoot that scene, not wanting to work with Heston. I reading about that at the time, Heston. like in yeah. Empire Magazine. I read that scene at the time and still read it today as a strongly anti-gun scene. Yeah. I look at that scene as pretty sure. subversive that they got Charlton Heston to say, like, guns were the downfall of sure. our society. Right, 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 right. But, I, but he, Tim Roth interpreted that scene as pro-gun. I guess maybe he just didn't want to be in the same room as sure. Charlton Heston and a and, gun. And a gun. Yeah. Talking it's a about very gun. strange scene. It's an odd scene. God. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it that. Dying Charlton Heston. <laughs> in ape makeup. Look over there. I put a gun inside a that vase. red thing. <laughs> There's no way it could have ever fit inside that unless I... Humed it. Is that a how blood you make a teardrop? Yeah, like yeah, how did they get it inside it? That's no what I was wondering. There's no way idea. to get it inside. Hewn is a good pull. Is a hewn? Is, is that how, wait, how you make a vase? It sounds right. They yeah, literally had to make the vase around that gun to Correct. get it inside it. Correct. And it didn't stick to the walls somehow. It was baffling. Perfectly. This is this is the kind of crap I was thinking about watching this movie. Right. How soon after this film does Charles Heston die? Um. Oh, wait. Oh, oh, you mean like the actor? Yes, oh, Charlton okay. Heston, the man, the gun-loving man. He died in 2008, so okay. he had a few years to go. Yeah. But still, yeah. you go like, that's pretty mean to ask like a 75-year-old to sit through six hours of makeup. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you think he just did it once? I was going to say, he must have done it one time. One time. They, that's one they day. They filmed yeah. that one day, that's and one that day. was it. And maybe it was one of those things where they put it on him in the bed. <laughs> it's like a half job. Like, they just sort of laid it on top of him. <laughs> Even still, the face stuff. I know. Just yeah. Like, yeah. The makeup in this is incredible. It's incredible. It's awesome. It's, it, it's an argument for that you never should have stopped. Like, if this right. is what you could do in 2001, imagine what you could do now. Like, I know. Yeah. I know, because this still looks better than any totally. CGI stuff. 100%. Sure. And you look at the original, like, Planet of the Apes, a franchise that I love, Matt, that you love. Absolutely. David, 
I think you like. You've heard of? I like, but I have not seen all five. Okay. Oh. Definitely not. Um, I've seen the first two. That might be it. Those movies, there's there's literally like one application piece, and it doesn't have a right. lot of range or mask. flexibility. It's right. a mask. It's Everyone a mask. has the same thing. They paint it different colors. Right, right, right. Um, this, they're like really expressive and distinct and unique, and he's got different species, and he's working with each actor's face so well. Sure. Like, uh, Rick Baker does all these interviews where he talked about like getting the cast, and he's like, Tim Roth is going to be a nightmare because his nose is so big. Giamatti's going to be great because <laughs> his like, face so he, is flat His nose round. is also being insulted. As yeah. He, gets he like, talks about it so much how he was like approaching all the different faces. Sure. And then this kind of becomes the last like makeup movie of this size. Do you think Rick Baker just wishes people had like no features, like no nose at all, kind no of? lips, no ears? <laughs> like they could just like our faces were just blank skeletons, literal blank canvases. <laughs> but also, I mean, the reason why he is like the best is that he was a guy who like really understood actors, studied their faces, understood what they needed to do in order to express which features are most important for them as actors. Sure, like his makeup works really well with performances. Um, That's true. Everyone then, everyone in this movie under-delivers except him. He over-delivers. Correct. Right. Like, he's, like he's doing so much for this movie that's giving him, like, nothing back. Right. Yeah, he let them give, give great, great performances with the makeup, but then no one bothered to give a good performance. Right. And then essentially within 10 years of this movie, he retires. Sure. I think Men in Black 3 is, like, his last major movie, and he was just like, no one wants to do makeup anymore. It's not fun. When I do get a job, they underbid it, and they don't give me time. Right. I'm just done. And he like sold off his archives. This, that's sad. And you just go like, I mean, look, he had an incredible Maleficent career. Maleficent was his last That job. was, was that 2012? 2014. Okay. Um, nothing in between that and Men in Black though. So yeah. Yeah. And even Men in Black, he was like, I was so excited. They told me we were going to do a bunch of practical stuff. He made all these suits and you barely see them in the yeah. movie. Like they don't even cover them yeah. well. Uh, you it seemed watch- like he was doing more and more like crappy movies too. Yeah, like, like uh, the Wolfman, that Wolfman movie, Norbit, right? which I think he cared a lot about. Eddie, he liked working the makeup with Eddie. in all of these movies is amazing. Yeah, but it's like the only good thing they like. Yeah. Like, well, we've got Rick Baker. We don't have to do any, literally right. nothing else. And he won for the Wolfman though. That was his last Oscar win. Yeah, yeah. And that was like awesome a big makeup. one. He wanted sure. to do a, a Wolfman movie. Yeah, but like Benicio didn't want to play the Wolfman at all. It's almost entirely stuntman when it's in the thing, which bummed him out. Like. He just seems so disenfranchised. What a stupid movie. <laughs> oh, so bad. Yeah. Um, Will we do Johnston? I guess. Yeah, maybe, maybe someday. Yeah. yeah. 2075. Yeah, sounds good. Um, no, this movie just feels like, you know, it, this is a breakthrough in makeup and then it ends up being sort of the end of like large yeah. scale special effects makeup right. in this way. Yeah. Uh, which is a bummer. It's the best thing the movie has going for it. Why was this movie not nominated for a makeup? That's Oscar? what I was going to say. That's a good yeah. question. The, what was nominated? I feel like the I gotta find out. The aftertaste of this movie was so toxic that everyone threw the whole thing out. But that's I mean, like that's crazy. But at the you time, know, everyone was yeah. saying like, "God, that speaks to how much people hated this movie." Was they didn't even nominate for makeup because right. they I mean, just if, didn't want to think Wolfman about it. Could get nominated and win. Yeah. Right. Do you think it was just like they were like? Apes, that's been done. Like, there's already been an Apes movie. But, like, what one? Here were the nominees. This is fucking embarrassing. Okay. Okay, so the winner was Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Okay, good okay, makeup. Fine. Good it's makeup. the new yeah. hotness. It's got great yeah. makeup. Gimli. If something's going to win, fucking Gimli. Over Planet yeah. of the Apes. I can see that. <laughs> fucking right. Gimli. Hairy feet. Now, another nominee was Moulin Rouge, which has incredible makeup sure. yes. and hair. Yeah, and the whole all, thing. All, all the whole. Yeah. The third nominee. In the bedroom. 
<laughs> Wait, I want to try to guess this. It's really embarrassing. It's so embarrassing because the makeup in this movie is like embarrassing, bad, and is not prominent except in like one scene. Interesting. So it's like, what? Oh, is it a beautiful mind? It's a beautiful mind. Which has terrible, oh, which is terrible. Mostly, obviously, just set in, you know, right, younger Russell Crowe. Right. And then there's the one thing where he's old and he's like, I'm, I'm an old man. Yes. And Jennifer, I, old Russell Crowe. And Jennifer Connelly looks like she's aged like seven years and has a gray wig. Like, well, but she also looks like a wax statue. She like can't she move looks her so face. so weird. Oh, God. Yeah, nominating like, that for best makeup over this movie is. Kind I feel of like insane. when people cite bad old age makeup, that's the example it's of like, you don't want to do it. Terrible old age right. makeup. That wow. and, and Jay Edgar are the two where I'm just like, these are nightmares to look at. That's yeah, kind of that's kind of crazy. I'm trying to find old Jennifer Connolly now. I want to find <laughs> it her. It looks so bad. Yeah. You're forgetting how bad it looks. <laughs> <laughs> she this looks is like an audio podcast, sculpture. but we're all looking at this picture and just Oh boy. God. She but looks It doesn't bizarre. look like there's any life there. Yeah. Yeah. It should have been nominated for that. Yeah. Nothing else. Right. But, th- but, but this give, was give outst- it a makeup. Yeah, nod. this was yeah. outstanding makeup. Um anyway, weird. Um, now that we've said one nice thing about it. Yeah. Right, let's uh, this movie fucking sucks. It's so boring. <laughs> it's it's just one of the least engaging movies we've ever covered on this it's show. It's truly hard to pay attention it's to. It's hard to pay it's attention. You have to like make yourself keep your eyes on. The it. thing that's it's most similar to in that sense and it doesn't quite hit that depth, but it's I, the last time I remember feeling this way watching a movie for this podcast was uh, Last Airbender. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Where you're like, where it's, it's like this genre exercise based on something else yeah. that is soulless. Like, and I just yeah. can't like someone director who doesn't even seem like he's present. Right, right totally. Right. Has so no director who's like lost in the project. Maybe yeah. at one point was intrigued by it, but is like obviously this has been during, done yeah, well before. Right, exactly. Other people have told this story incredibly well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And you're just like, I can't pay attention to that. I mean, I was saying to you guys, like, I put it on when I was, like, trying to go to sleep. It was giving me such a headache that I turned it off. Then I had insomnia. And when my alarm went off this morning, I had this sense of dread. Like, I had woken up the day of a test. I was like, oh, fuck. Now I have to watch the remaining one hour and 15 minutes. Because when I went to sleep, about, I was like. This movie also gets worse. Yes. Which it, is hard it does. to do. because right. It really does. Not like it starts well. No. Right? But it, like, is building. And I was like. Like racking my brains, like how does this end again? And yeah. like Vega, I was like, are they just like in a desert? An and they hour just kind of in run the around? desert. Yeah. Yeah, right? like, they get to the abandoned spaceship like an hour and five minutes. Yeah. In, like, what's the remaining hour of this <laughs> movie? Exactly. I was sitting there going the same thing. I was like, they're here already. Yeah. What are they going to do for the next forty-five minutes? Nothing. No, That's the answer. Well, do you like Estella Warren's acting though? Because there'll be a little of that. This is the area where I just this movie <laughs> doesn't little. make sense to me. Okay, because even when you get into the later Tim Burton movies, where people can argue maybe his heart isn't in it, maybe he's just you know sort of doing half work, maybe it's whatever. I just cannot imagine a universe in which Tim Burton watches Estella Warren's audition and goes, right. I'm excited about this. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to sound overly mean, but he's always a guy where at the very least you're like, he casts the actors he loves. Sure. You know, like you look at his films like Alice in Wonderland, it's like, oh, you can see that he was getting excited about having Crispin Glover in his movie. You know, he was getting excited about Mia Wasikowska as like a perfect Burton girl. And you just look at Estella Warren I, and Mark Wahlberg and you're just like, I cannot imagine him being excited by any of the acting choices. That's that a I good get. point. I think that she is there or was originally intended to be almost like the almost like a parody of of Nova. Yes. Where you're supposed because you're I think ideally 
she's almost supposed to be so blank yes. that it makes sense for Mark Wahlberg's character to be into Helena Bottom Carter's. Like, that's the way that he sort of, I think we're, that it's like, uh, to, sure. make, to make a reason for him to be like, yeah, yeah maybe this uh, ape lady is I, for me. Right, I right. think Tim Burton had a total of two ideas for this movie. Go, go ahead. One was, I want the apes to be scary. Sure. Right? Which I don't think they execute well, but you understand the idea of. In the original, they're kind of intellectual. The apes monologue a lot. Right. Yeah. Even and when they're battle like they scenes. They should be primal and feral. animalistic and right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you watch it and you go like, I don't know if that was the right choice. It also just feels like it gets a little samey. It gets a little samey. <laughs> the wire work in this film is atrocious. Oh, God, the wire work. <laughs> Faith just needs to go like, like just yeah. push someone in the shoulder. They're they like flying. lifted 18 feet in the and air. And he's not big enough to be that powerful. No. It's, it's crazy. Absurd. But it's every, absurd. every time they jump, it has the physics of like a kid lifting a Hot Wheels yes. car in between the two tables. You know, yeah. like there's, it just has no, I remember, so this was maybe I would say one of two movies in my lifetime I was most excited for. I was like gonna say. peak Griff yeah. movie nerd fanaticism. You I, like the apes. I love the apes. I love Timber. And I was like, there is no way this can go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and the only other movie I was ever this excited for was Toy Story 2, which became my favorite movie of all time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And my parents, when I was like in the years between Toy Story 1 and 2, were like, you got to set your expectations at a reasonable right. level. Sequels often diminish. Right. Yes. And then it so greatly exceeded my expectations. I was like, no one's ever going to tell me how to think <laughs> ever again. Well, you only had to wait like one year, right? right. Yeah, one and a half. I like, was at yeah. sleepaway summer camp every day. I would confiscate the newspapers from the counselors and cut out the ads for Planet of the apes and tape them to my bunk wall. Wow. Just imagine the counselor sitting around being like, he really likes Planet of the Apes. The Griffin kid is very excited for the Tim Burton. Yeah, <laughs> big Mark Wahlberg fan. Yeah, huge. He loved the big hit. He can't wait to see what Marky Mark does <laughs> The big does hit's next. pretty good. Like, it's not I bad. Mean, compared so to this, movie. I know which I'd rather watch. <laughs> so I had, I had all the action figures before the movie came out. I had what? all the newspaper ads taped up wait, to my How phone. many action figures were there? I'll tell you who I had. I had Limbo. I had Ari. <laughs> I had Captain Leo Davidson. I had General Adam. Wait, who the fuck is Captain? Oh, that's, that's Mark Wahlberg. Wahlberg. Yeah. I confess I forgot his There's name. There's probably no worst thing you could say about this movie is that you have no idea, no idea. the name of the main character Don't and only name. human character. You're right. like, who is that? <laughs> I, I literally think I had every action figure other than Estella Warren. That was the one bridge too far. I had Pericles. <laughs> they made a Pericles. They made figure? a Pericles. Was he to scale? Was he tiny? Yeah, he's tiny. He came with the spaceship. It, it oh was God. maybe better Poor than Pericles. the movie. I feel so bad for Pericles. He didn't ask to be in this movie. He gets a good have performance. Chris <laughs> no, they didn't make him. But oh, he's you're right. Like there's, a, there's an important human character. Huge on the poster. I guess Chris Christopherson could have played Captain Leo Davidson. But he, it would have been weird. Good. If, it would have been weird if he was a captain, that character. I'm just trying to think, like, right. how are you were like. Leo Davidson. No, 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 no. I, I could have thought about it for one yeah. second. <laughs> yes. Uh, he, he is huge on the poster and gets pretty high bill. Christopherson? Yeah. On they the were poster? really selling. Yes. What poster? I'm going to show you. You show me. I'm going to show you. The poster I'm looking at here has all apes. Right. That's the one that's all them on the horses. Yeah. yeah. That's the one I remember. I mean, maybe this is just the you one don't from the newspaper. A poster for no, this movie. I do because I you too. Don't. This poster is the one I remember. Yeah. yeah. And I too was like, how I was 15 years old and I was at that phase where I was like, I know who directors are. I'm super smart. And so I was like, Tim Burton, you know, he's good. Like, and Uh, assumed this would be a big deal. It was also a big empire magazine movie. Like 
which I was a I was a dedicated Empire reader, and like they had been hyping it for you know six months or whatever. You know they had well again the how could it go bad exactly. So I was like, no, it's going to be good. I liked Michael Clark Duncan. I'd been like in on him sure, since Armageddon sure. or whatever. When you drive a vehicle so reliable, it's backed by a ten year one hundred thousand mile limited warranty. You stop thinking about what you can't do. Start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. It is one of those weird things where, like, you look at the trailer now and you're like, this is obviously a bad trailer. We all should have known what was coming. And I remember the hype leading up to this movie was just like, yeah, Tim Burton's going to do something weird again. Right. Even if the sure. story doesn't work, it'll be visually engaging. It'll there have has great to be set something, pieces. some twist to like, it. I don't that's... think anyone considered the fact that this movie could be terrible. I think there was also out. a lot of talk of like, what will the ending be? Because like, how do you that top hype that huge. ending? Right. Yeah, right. And especially in a post- they were... definitely had a lot of the like, the ending was shot in total secrecy yes. with armed guards. Right. Or, yeah, you know. And and this was the first movie where it was the big thing of like, it's not a remake, it's a reimagining. Yeah. Which then studios ran with for years. (laughs) Right. Like, we're trying to reimagine it, but he said that in some interview. I don't like the word remake. I want to try to reimagine the thing. And everyone was like, so he's not selling out. Like, his his imagination? What if he reimagines it? Um, He he de-imagined it, unfortunately. He de-imagined it. I just have this very distinct memory of uh, I I wake up uh, the morning that my father is going to come sign me out of camp to take me to see Planet of the Apes. (laughs) At the local New Milford Theater. Right. New Milford, Connecticut. And I went to breakfast and one of the counselors was there and he was like, uh, Griffin, we need to talk. <laughs> oh, God. And I was like, what? And he was like, a bunch of us last night after uh, <laughs> put to bed Gong saw uh, Planet of the Apes. And I was like, oh, my God. And he was like, Griffin, it's it's really, really bad. Because <laughs> talk about a movie that people no, left, listen. left the theater yeah. with Don't say that. the worst taste in their mouth. Because they, they didn't like it anyway and then the ending is kind of a final like, right. now F- get yeah. The ultimate right. F you. And I just remember them talking to me like it was like they were like hung over. Like they were like rubbing their yeah, heads right. like a cup of coffee. Like trying to make sense of what happened the night before. Yeah. And I literally was like, who else was in the group with you who saw right, the movie? Right, 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 right. And went one by one to the counselors. Because I was like, Someone has to like this right, thing. Right. And I finally got to one person who was like, I don't know. It's like stupid. It's funny. I like that they jump around a lot. <laughs> and I was like, oh, good fuck. I'll take it. Yeah, they were like, it's not good, but it's like ridiculous. Like, I like it. There's like a, an ape smoking a hookah. And I was like, oh, fuck. And my dad signed. That was the rave. Yeah. My dad signed me out. And I, it was one of those things where I sat there and tried to explain to myself why I was enjoying it. Right. Like while I was you watching. Had, you had Phantom Menace syndrome. Full yeah. Phantom Menace syndrome. Full denial. Yeah. By the time it came out on DVD, I bought it, put it in my DVD oh. player, watched two minutes of it and was like, right, I hate this movie. Like I accepted it pretty soon after. Have not seen it since. Sure. And I, I bought it on Blu-ray because it was like $3 yeah, very for, for this? For this. Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, that's it, not just like on a whim. Okay. <laughs> the no, that's, only, that's permissible. The only Planet of the Apes movie I don't own. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I own it forever now. appropriate. Yeah. I've heard yeah. the commentary is funny because it's a lot of Tim Burton being like, yeah, I don't know what this is. Yeah. I think there's like a commentary. 
There is a commentary. Yes. He yeah. has commentaries in almost all of his movies, and they're really uh, they're kind of boring. Unenlightening. Right? Yeah, right. Yes. yeah. He's yeah. he's as checked out as you would think he would be <laughs> watching it. I mean, there's also the incredible thing with this movie, which is uh, this is where he meets Helen Bonham Carter. Yep, <laughs> like who he's with because Lisa Marie is in this years. movie, right? Uh, and this is the last one she's in. Right. That was a big deal. Like after this movie came out, paparazzi saw him and Helen Bonham Carter kissing on a bench near the Eiffel Tower in Paris. And my dad woke me up and he was like, Griffin, I have some bad news for you. Are you serious? Yeah, I swear to God, this was such a difficult time for me. You were invested in his dating life? I was so invested in the Lisa Marie thing. And he was like, Griffin, I want you to know that sometimes our heroes do bad things. Wow. You have such an intense relationship Uh, with the 2001 Planet of the Apes. So intense. And it's literally a movie that everyone else on the planet of the humans, like, yeah. doesn't remember even exists. Right. Barely. Right, and yeah. I have just thought about it since then as one of my least favorite movies, have not watched it since, and I watched it now, and I was like, I can't even imagine getting that worked up about this movie to hate it that much. Yeah, yeah that's the it's thing. It's just a thing. It's not like a movie where, right, where you're just, you're it's furious. It's competent. It's, right. right. It's but a, that's it's the a, best a, you It's could a say. three out of ten. Right, yeah. but at the yeah. time, right. it was right. like, this was his tenth movie, I loved all nine leading up. Right, okay. So this was right. This is your loss of innocence. This is your This moment. is the first right, time yeah, where yeah. I was like, the, we can fail, you know, <laughs> as a species. Yeah. I'm a little, I'm a slightly older. And for yeah. me, that movie was like Godzilla, where I was like, this sure. movie is going to be amazing. Right. It's going to be incredible. That is an early one I for saw me it, too, where I was I like, I saw oh, it, you know, opening yeah, night yeah. in the theater. And I was like, this is terrible. Yes. Like I didn't even convince myself. I was like, oh, this is fully awful. Right. And it was the first time one of those movies I was like old enough to recognize, oh, this thing that I was sold as being everything I need in my life is actually terrible. And it's I, like, I was you're telling me that the advertising agencies were lying. I'm afraid so. <laughs> Size does not, not matter. matter, actually. I, but yeah, I remember that moment when I was like 11 or 12 when I started coming home from the movie theater yeah. and my mom was like, how was it? And I wasn't just always like, it was great. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. you know, like, it wasn't great. <laughs> and this was also like such a big hype machine movie. Like this movie had like one of the biggest marketing campaigns of any studio film at that point in time sure like there were like giant yes. new york city billboards that were the apes wearing reeboks do you remember this definitely don't I, again <laughs> another no thing no one remembers imply. anything about this <laughs> right. movie but it's you true. it's all seared into my memory because this truly is like a traumatic period in my life uh you know i i was ready for september 11th because i had lived through the burton planet of the apes <sighs> really glad i hadn't taken the swig of water i was about to take <laughs> before you said that what, what, what does that mean <laughs> Say it happens a couple months after, and I said, "Look, already innocence is done." Oh, I see. Okay, all right. I know now that the world is a cruel and unfair place. Yeah, where horrible people commit terrible no, no, atrocities. Keep digging. <laughs> <laughs> Won't stop digging till I find oil, Ben. Uh, planet of the you know, like what if there was a planet? You, well, Go on, rule the planet of of, of? rule yeah. the planet. We all know our planet. A lot of humans, A lot right? of humans. humans are interesting. Yeah, planet of the man. So far, your story checks out. <laughs> yeah. What if you got in a little, you know, whirly gig up there? Yeah. <laughs> Went through a big purple cloud. <laughs> Imagine being and in a boardroom. Who's playing the scientist? Uh, don't worry about that. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> crash land on a new planet. Yeah. Uh, apes. Uh-huh. The three kinds we all know. Gorillas, right. chimpanzees, sure. and orangutans. Yeah. They, they're mayors, carpenters. Well, but do the do the <laughs> apes fuck? 
Sure. I yeah. Guess. Cool. Yeah. Cool. You see the scene where Lisa. Yeah, who's the is. producer? She's like, can there be like a foreplay scene? Mm-hmm. Oh no, no, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That noted, noted. Well, so yeah. that's the only <laughs> other thing, the idea I think that Tim Burton had very strongly was he wanted to make a love story between an ape and a human, and the studio was like, absolutely, yes. right. no way. Uh, we ran the numbers on that one, and it's <laughs> not going to happen. Right. So the Ari character was supposed to be a princess. It yep. was supposed to be explicit. That was the setup. And they were like, no. And he's like, what if it's subtext? And they were like, no. So I think the Estella Warren (laughs) thing. Sub. What if it's sub subtext? (laughs) But you can tell watching it in every scene, he's like, he wishes he could do it. Like any time that Helen Bonham Carter. She's the only character that the movie is kind of alive for. She's the only character who's dynamic and has any inner life. (laughs) Because Wahlberg is just dead in this movie just dead. inert has right. no interest in anything in anything wait, wait, he, wait, yeah. he is the worst <laughs> action hero <laughs> yeah. maybe in any movie ever and it's I very possible but I mean that yeah. I mean that both within the movie mm-hmm. his actions in the movie <laughs> right. sure. he causes right. the planet of the apes yes, yes. True. he True. helps no one <laughs> right he he goes he goes to the planet right accidentally because he's trying to rescue his his monkey friend yeah and then Acquaintance, he, monkey acquaintance. He doesn't even like the That's monkey the that much. He yeah. leaves. He yeah. goes to save the monkey who he's mean to. Yeah, he's not even yeah. that nice. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of those movies where it's like this is the beginning of studio filmmaking at this level lacking basic story competency. Right. Where it's like Godzilla sucks. Yes. But at least it's structured like a movie. <laughs> Sure. You know, right, they right, understand, right. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. here is the very cliched, underwritten arc that this character is supposed to have. Right. This movie starts off with Mark Wahlberg being too cool for school. Yeah, he's a, he's a total asshole. He thinks everyone on the spaceship's a fucking loser. Hates, he hates his coworkers and the, all the apes. Right. His main coworker is the woman from Mad About You who loves the apes, and he keeps on making fun of her for caring too much about the apes. Yes. Then they send the ape out on a fact-finding mission— and they lose him in a purple cloud. Yes. He goes... In five seconds, by the way. Instantly. (laughs) Disaster. He goes, how dare you? That's my ape. I need to go back and find him. Sure. They go, since when do you care about apes? You were just dunking on her for liking him. He really just wants to go in the purple cloud. So then he gets in the ship and immediately sacrifices himself to try to save the ape, then lands on the planet and immediately goes, I always hated apes. (laughs) Well, the other thing is... But wait, he goes, his whole purpose for leaving the ship is to save... The ape. He's trying to find Pericles. Then what does he do at the end of the movie? He takes his (laughs) ship and leaves him behind. He leaves Pericles behind. uh, Take care of this ape for me. (laughs) There's room in that ship for a little monkey. To be fair... Don't be fair. It's a whole planet of apes. He might like it on the The ape only planet. reason he went there was <laughs> yeah. to get back Pericles. Like, and this, then literally, this is what I'm but saying. But they worship like, him as a god. <laughs> but but the, the Roland Emmerich version of this movie, the Roland Emmerich version of this movie would at least in the first 10 minutes set up that he was the Jane Goodall of astronauts. Yes, and he loved Pericles. Was and they had this incredible friend. bond. And the whole movie is, I can't lose him. I gotta find him. Right, right. They don't even get that right. No, they don't even get that right. And and this movie feels like Mark Wahlberg's performance in this movie feels like he wants to beat up this movie for being a nerd. <laughs> yes. Right? He has yes. such utter yes. contempt for the it's, movie. It's, he's it's, in. it's the happening syndrome times a thousand. Times yes. a billion. Because right, right. the happening you can tell he wants to beat up his own character. Yes. Right, but right. at least the things around him are like, he's like real Whoa, it's people scary. things. Whoa. Yeah, he's like, I don't like this dorky shit with like helmets and fucking laser guns and this bullshit. Uh, but I mean, also the only choice he makes as an actor is 
I'm not going to take my shirt off, okay? Because, like, the other guy did, and I right. do that all the time, so I won't do it. The thing is, I, the, the, to me, the, the character is clearly written sort of in the Heston character mold. Because right. the Charlton Heston character in the original movie is also a dick. Yes. He ha- but, yes. but the thing is, the difference is in that movie, he gets to explain why he hates humanity and right. why he's on this thing. Yeah. And what there, he has, like, a perspective. Like, there's a reason. We and can- that's sort of his folly, like his, yes. his rage, his arrogance. Right, right. Exactly. And in this movie, there's no reason for it. He's just above everything he and just hates so everyone. Out. Right. Yeah, and is just a dick. And and that's what's interesting is Heston did have that sort of, like, fiery anger. Of right? Yeah. That what, what's him. it called? Gra- gravitas, <laughs> yeah. I believe? Movie star qualities? Right. Yes. But, like, <laughs> we should do a little Marky Mark career contact. Sure. Because... His thing is so fucking weird. You go like, okay, he's like a oh, rapper an underwear model and an and underwear rapper, model, sure. right? He's a shirtless yeah. underwear model with three nipples. His brother is in um, uh, the New Kids new on the kids Block. New Kids on the Block, so he's, of course. For a while, he's the less famous he's brother. He's like Aaron Carter. Sh- sure, exactly, right. right. And then he is in, he's in like Renaissance Man and Basketball right. Penny Diaries. Marshall discovers him. He, on his episode of Inside the Actor Studio, says, I went to the Penny Marshall School of Acting. She hired me. <laughs> what, a, what a phrase. I right. love her, but Jesus. Of course, our next miniseries subject, Penny of Marshall. Course, yes, yes. He said, she hired me and immediately yeah. said, you can't act. I'm going to break you and teach you how to act. And he claims that Penny <laughs> Imagine Marshall. Penny Marshall saying that to yeah. you. You can't act. You can't act. <laughs> you got no charisma. You seem like you're asleep on screen uh r.i.p penny marshall um so he's like she broke me she taught me everything i knew sure and then immediately he has this chip on his shoulder and he's like fighting for parts like things like basketball diaries basketball diaries i want to prove like i'm a real actor everyone thinks i'm a pretty boy i'm like a novelty rapper i'm this and that and he starts like making a mark for himself well, as this sort of angry mark, young man. Mark, make a marky mark. Oh, he for starts himself. making a marky mark. Here are mark. the totally. things that he's in. He's in '96. He's in Fear, which I feel like is his first very compelling performance. Yeah. And all of these, he says, like I had to fight so sure. hard. They thought I was a joke. They didn't sure. want to hire sure. me. But he's right. good in that, and that is that's probably the first time he makes an impression on. And a that's wider also like audience. a character performance exactly. for the first yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, then he's in something called Traveler. I've never heard. Never of. Never even heard of what it. What is that? Uh, Hmm, Bill Paxton, whatever. Uh, he's in Boogie Nights, obviously right. oh, quite trailer. a famous film. Right. So this is the huge thing because, right. like, you know, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, PTA was like, well, I'm boy genius. I wrote the best script of all time. Sure. I'm going to hire Leonardo DiCaprio right. and Bur- and uh, Warren Beatty. Right, right, right. And both of them were like, no fucking way. <laughs> right. Warren Beatty thought he was being hired to play Dirk Dickler. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right? Isn't that the story? Correct. He right. couldn't imagine that he wouldn't be playing yeah, yeah, the yeah, young yeah. lead who yeah. everyone wants right. to fuck. Yeah. Um, but he, like, moves down the chain of things, and Burt Reynolds is pretty, like, dinged at that point. Marky Mark hasn't really got credibility. Sure. And it's viewed as this amazing, like, thing. Like, oh, my God, who knew Marky Mark had Could this act. in him? Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, and especially and as, like, a leading man, great. a real I movie star I think he's so good in Boogie Nights. He's amazing. I love him in that movie, he's man. He's incredible. Ugh. But Marky Mark is one I of those— I am going to be a star. He's wonderful in it. I don't know. That's, That's not like, the first line that comes to mind for me, but I'd rather not uh, go into it here. Fair enough. But I think he gets a couple years after that where everyone's like, okay, cool. So now right. he's fully where's, formed. Where's Mark? Yeah, come on. Where's his you first You can put him in anything. Nom. He's right. going to kill yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. it's, I think, PTA latched onto something sooner than everyone else sure. that Marky Mark himself didn't figure out for a while. Yeah. Which is and still only sporadically figures out. Even he had a now. couple <laughs> years where he was really locked into it and sure. then started making bad choices again. But the key is his movie star quality is like the run to the litter anger trying to prove himself. Like he has the chip totally. on his shoulder, totally. 
and he has to prove he to everyone else. He's not good when he plays a high status person. He is better at playing a, a low status. He's better person. at playing low status. He's so hard. We talked about this yeah. in, the, in the Ridley Scott. Uh, what do you call it? Um, all the money in the oh, world. Oh yes, where he's like cool and collect. Oh. Hey, listen to me. I run the show, and I'm like, Marky, you don't, you don't, you don't you run don't, the show. You, don't yeah. <laughs> you are not you a rich not person. Like he's, I want you to be right. The cop who's like yes. get a load of these rich guys. No, no that's who I want you to be. His movie star quality yeah. is irritability. Like, he's really good at being annoyed at things. Right. And having yeah. that sort yeah. of, like, righteous anger about stuff. He's also good, like, when he could, like, if Planet of the Apes, this planet was a comedy, and yeah. he was playing this this character, but it funny. Because mm-hmm. this is, like, not that far removed from, like, the other guys to me. Like, this right. kind of guy. But it's just that here, he's playing it, like, actually, like, he's serious. He's just angry. That's the thing. He learns how to lean into the bravado of those characters right. and make it self-aware. I do David think- O'Russell gets that in well, him. Sure, sure. Right. Okay. I mean, directors start to- keep start going to- through his, yes. you know, I do think he's good in the big hit, uh, which is a fun movie. Yeah, he's okay in that. Yeah. Uh, obviously, then he's in 1990s and Three Kings, right. David O'Russell. Amazing. He's terrific in that. It's a yeah. great movie. Um, horrible shooting experience, according to everyone, but except for Marky Mark, he loves Wahlberg David O'Russell. Exactly, has the best takeaway from it. He's in the Yards, the James Gray movie, which he's excellent right. in. Also, great. Another in. great director, knowing how to use. Uh, right. He's in the Perfect Storm, which I think is more just him sort of going like, "Hey, Boston, look, yeah. I don't know if you know this, but yeah, oh, that fucking wave." Right. He's you know, not like, bad in it, but it's not particularly <laughs> notable. And then he is in this, which he just feels he's he has this run now where it's like this rock star. Truth about Charlie, Italian mm. job. Yeah, I mean, these where are he's new- like vanishing into these lead roles yeah. that right. have to be just, all charisma. Just put generic, just generic leading man roles. Rock star. Right. What which, if there was a rock star? They sound generic too. Like even uh, uh, Italian job, which is like pretty Italian fun, job, exceeded yeah. all expectations, did very well. He I feel like no one like ever it. thinks about him being in that movie. You like like you know Mos Def and yeah, the ensemble's uh, good. Or, Seth or, Green, yeah, yeah, you know, and yeah. Cars, cars. There were cars in that movie. And it's like, and then in 2004, when he has I Heart Huckabees, which he's phenomenal, you're like, incredible. oh yeah, this guy's an actor. Right. Like, you know, like if as long as you're, he's so good. That's his best performance. I think ever. so too. I would give him the Oscar for that. And obviously like a couple years after that, he had The Departed and you know, he's sort of, Gets his Oscar nomination. Right. And then there, there's a run of years where he's not making great movies, but he's making consistently successful movies post fighter where he becomes like one of the most consistently bankable actors. Where he's getting into his like Peter Berg cycle, where Ted is huge. Yeah. Yep. Where Lone Survivor is huge. <sighs> you know, uh, Daddy's Home. Like it's weird how big Daddy's Home is. Sure. Huge. Um, but he's. Like, I like Deepwater Horizon. That's my Wahlberg I movie. I think he's good. Not a bad movie. I like a movie where Wahlberg's like, "Hey, listen to me. Why won't anyone this thing's gonna blow?" You know, like that's what I want out of Wahlberg. I, my favorite. Where's in Patriots Day. Day? Oh God. But Go the on. problem is, I didn't know until after I saw the movie. The Patriots Day. He's playing like a character that didn't exist. He's playing six characters that right. have been strung together. So it makes into no one sense character. that he yes. keeps on showing up at the right, right. place. Like, hey, let's ask this patrolman what he thinks. Right. He says like the mayor. And then Matt has already pulled just, up his. Just next the picture, moment. How, like just the picture of um, I pulled up the gambler and just right. like just the photo of of the poster. You're right. just like, and oh, this movie is awful. He's flying too close to the sun again. Like he does that. <laughs> he does all the money in the world. Like once again, he's trying uh, to play like 22. very high right. status, calm here. intellectuals. Your high status, low yeah. status thing. Right. Like this is no good. This no. Is high status. And then his next thing is that he's remaking Spencer to Spencer for Hire What's with that? Peter Berg. It's like a, a detective novel that was turned into a, a, like a big show in the 80s. Um, Spencer for Hire, never heard of it? No. Yeah. Wow. Um, with uh, Avery Brooks was the famously Hawk, you know, the sidekick. Okay. And, uh, 
Spencer was played by uh, Robert Urich. Yeah. Um, yeah, that Wonderland. That's his big movie this year. Okay. Guess Weird. who directed it? Uh, Peter Berg. Peter Berg. Yeah. He loves working on Peter Berg. He does. Uh, it says it's like the you know the only friend he's made in his adult life. Uh, yeah, he's like the star of Peter are... Berg's last five movies, I right. think. Yeah, but he was like, you you really make a friend that good when you're in your forties. Yeah, you know, like I think he, you know, other than Turtle and E and Vinny and all his friends <laughs> who he grew up with. <laughs> Turtle. <laughs> That's yep. the other weird Mark Wahlberg thing. I know. Is he goes to he HBO and his is life like, into a terrible TV show hey, that dominated all pop culture. Fuck people, that should be a TV show, and everyone's like, <laughs> worst idea. <laughs> Well, like HBO says yes. Everyone's like, I can't believe HBO gave him the money to do that. And then everyone hate watches it and becomes a hit. And also he had another TV show about his family making burgers. Yeah. yeah. And he's a producer on Boardwalk, right? Boardwalk Empire? Yeah. Yeah. He is. Mm -hmm. What a mm -hmm. weird career. Right. He saves and ballers. David O. Russell's career. Wait, totally. he's involved with ballers? Of course. Because <laughs> yeah. I think ballers was like him being like, hey, remember Entourage? And they yeah. were like, yeah. Wait, Other people have, yeah. have friends. Yeah, what about like sports, Entourage? Yeah, and they were like, you got to produce your credit. You <laughs> know, like, Rock, was... you got to do a TV show. Do a TV show about how you make money and fuck people. <laughs> Rock, you got to do it. I'm a movie star. I do a TV show. <laughs> Truly. One of the most devastating SNL impersonations of all time. Like, I really think so. And like, stunning because until the moment he uttered the first syllable, you went, well, there's no way to do a Mark Wahlberg impression, right? right? Like, yeah. Or like, why would a Mark Wahlberg impression be that interesting? There's nothing distinctive right. enough about him. He doesn't yeah. have a clear movie star. I Say argue, actually, that impression is what sets him off to have such a good run of like five or six years. Sure. And then he realizes what his movie star persona is because it's defined so thoroughly. And he starts being self-aware about it. Right. Yeah. Um, he's not self-aware here. No, not he's at all. very yeah. far from self-aware. So he yeah. says so far. The this is the process, furthest. This like, is a, he's like when Pluto is like yeah, furthest in, from the sun. He's, he's taken a purple cloud as far away from, from self-aware <laughs> yes. as he can possibly His get. only choice he makes is, is this a cool movie star walk? <laughs> he's got a real, yeah, like, he's got a, a, a saunter. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. He said he didn't want to be shirtless because he had done too many shirtless ads. Right. He also has a third nipple that I think he corrects shortly after this. Sure. But if you look in the original underwear ads, he's got a little little third guy. I never knew that. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's one of the most famous third nipple huh. havers in American history. He's a witch. <laughs> of course we should burn him. Um, no, but uh, uh, this movie has a crazy development process because in the early 90s, Fox was like, you know, they, we're starting to become franchise driven yes. in Hollywood. Yes. We have this huge, it was sort of the original massive franchise. Sure. Plan of the Apes was like the first franchise that got really merchandised and turned into TV shows and five films and all of this. It's overdue for a modern reboot. Imagine what the makeup would be like today. And uh, I, th I think the original original was uh, Ridley Scott and Arnold Schwarzenegger. I know. Adam Rifkin. Right. Adam fucking Rifkin. <laughs> Director of Never on Tuesday. And with... Detroit Rock City. Um, yep. 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 That's right. Uh, right. He pitches them on... A Planet of the Apes right. movie after a Never time. on a Tuesday comes out or whatever. Right. They said, we like your movie. What would you want to do next? Right. And he says, you have the Apes franchise. I can't believe you're sitting on it. I'm a huge fan. Here's what I would do. Uh, and it was going to be called Return to the Planet of the Apes. And it's like a continuation of the original chronology. And they wanted to hire like Tom Cruise or Charlie Sheen. But I feel like any movie from that era, right. from the late 80s, it was either Cruise or one of those right. two guys. <laughs> um, and then Peter Jackson pitched right. uh, his take. Um where it was like a renaissance. It was the apes through the renaissance. Yes. Because that's the other thing with the original trilogy is it's this original trilogy. The original series right. 
is this Oros Boros that covers a- different Aruboros, points in the think, yeah. right? Isn't that what you're trying to I say? I mispronounce every word, I'm David. Just, Are we gonna I'm start correcting, correcting now? You. <laughs> carry on, carry on. Yes, they keep going back and forward, right? Right, and, and covering like different they, parts in the evolution of part, society. Partly because they blew up the planet halfway through the series, so they had to go back. Yeah, the coolest right. thing any franchise has ever done, which is uh, end existence <laughs> on movie two. Right. Uh, but yes, he wanted to make his renaissance correct. the the age of thinking. He got Roddy McDowell on board. Apparently, he excitedly told an executive this, and they were like, who's Roddy McDowell? Oh. <laughs> he was like, you oh. may not be the people I want to work with on this. Yeah, yeah. that's not a good sign. So he went back to the Heavenly movie. Creatures. Right. Then, uh, Raimi and Stone yep. are circled for like an early 90s. Jesus, Oliver Stone said, has the discovery of chronologically frozen Vedic apes who hold the secret numeric codes to the Bible that foretold the end of civilizations? Sure. The apes like wrote the Bible? Yeah, absolutely. Apparently that script's supposed to be great. They paid Oliver Stone like uh, a million Million or two. I think. To be a producer and co-writer, I think hoping he would eventually direct it. Yeah. And they get Arnold on board. And Schwarzenegger gets on board. Pending his approval of directors. So now the film's stuck in this thing where they know they have Schwarzenegger and they know they want to do a new Planet of the Apes and they're trying to find the right director and the right script for that combination. Right. Which kind of sounds like a home run in, like, 1993. For sure. Um, Cameron considers it. Philip Noyce goes pretty far on it. Ridley Scott considered it at one point. He decides to go make The Saint. Right. Philip Noyce. Um, Ridley Scott, yeah. But it was one of those things where, like, Cameron was thinking about doing it before Titanic. Then when he thought Titanic was going to bomb, he was getting into it. Then when Titanic did so well. A a Fox executive called Dylan Sellers apparently felt the script could be more comedic. And he pitched something where, like, the apes are playing baseball, but they don't have a pitcher. Right. It was one of those things where he was like, they're apes, put them in cl- human clothes. Why aren't they doing funny stuff? If you want to remake uh, just uh, Ed the movie. I was just about to say, is this how we got? We wound up with Ed? That man I literally was just about to say, tell me that this man greenlit Ed. Uh, the businessman, but instead of smoking cigars, or smoking bananas. Come on, I can write this shit myself. Then Sellers, who was the main development executive on it, in a car killed another man in a drunk driving accident. And he, like, went to jail. Yes. Yeah. He killed both the other driver and another Fox exec who was in his passenger seat, went to jail. Production sort of got halted. Everything sure. that he had been pushing forward. Right. So I think now they're at, like, 99, and it's been, like, 10 years of trying to make a Plan of the Apes movie. What Donald Schwarzenegger seems like that... That's slipping away. One of my favorite things is He's they brought much they brought on Chris Columbus yeah. and did a tests of ape skiing. No one knows right. why. <laughs> <laughs> that was the crazy thing is like every time they brought in a new director and these were like a big, big, the biggest directors of the 90s and yeah. different genres. There would always be a Fox executive who was like, can you have them do a ballet? <laughs> <laughs> like they like come up with all these ideas about like it's about the dawn of like the computer. Right. <laughs> You know, like everyone was coming in with these like big theological ideas and they'd be like, cool, cool, cool. What if the ape hosted a talk show? (laughs) And it feels like every version of the movie is getting halted at that gap between like a heady director wanting to say something about human like society and a Fox executive wanting to have an ape do something an ape shouldn't do. Well, based on the finished (laughs) product here, it's pretty clear who eventually won out. Right. It was the executive. A hundred percent. Yes. Because there's so much shit in this movie that just feels like. Tim Burton like threw his hands up. Just generic. It's like someone eventually said, 
let's make the Matrix with apes. Yes. It is crazy, though. It's like Columbus drops out to make Jingle all the way. Like, right. even being involved with this was yeah. a bad idea. Yes. It would curse your later yeah. project. I mean, this is a true monkey paw situation. Schwarzenegger Aww. goes to make uh, Eraser. Michael right. Bay turns down the job. The Hughes brothers want to make it, but they're busy making From Hell. Peter yeah. Jackson is getting famous and is still not interested. Yeah. William Broyles Jr. writes the script that we now know, uh-huh. uh, which then gets uh, you know um, polished by Connor and Rosenthal, yeah. who have the other credit. Um, and uh, how they wrote Burton in, I really have no fucking idea. Like, I don't, I don't know why Burton gets to be like the 14th director involved. We had, uh, uh, I want to see if I can find the username so I can credit him properly. But uh, someone, um, one of our blinkies on the Reddit wrote yes. a really, really good piece in the Batman Returns thread. Okay. About how like, and it made me think about this in a different way. About like we all like sit around and go like what happened to Tim Burton like why where's the moment why did it all sort of turn off mm-hmm. why these films start to feel less and less like sort of uh, adept or or you know personal. passionate personal any of that right and he made this argument that like uh, Ed Wood Edward Scissorhands and Batman Returns are like this perfect triptych of everything that guy sort of has to say in his heart about like how he feels, how he views society, how we treat others. And that after that, he's just sort of like, what more do I have to say? Right. So people offer me things and he's like, yeah, I don't know. I guess monkeys, that sounds cool. Right. Like there's like just- the Rolling Stones doing the endless tours. They've done all <laughs> right. their material and right. now it's just like, I'm going to play the hits. Right. But for him, it just becomes like, oh, there's an element I haven't done before. Monkeys yeah. are cool. I liked that book the growing makeup, up. Sure, right. Sure. Whatever Makeup's going to be is. fun. Right, right. 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 But then when he signs on, I think everyone just goes like, well, it's Tim Burton. He must know what he's doing. He must have a take on this. So they were saying like no actor they could get to sign on. Uh, would would once they read the script, no actor would want to do this movie. Right. And Mark Wahlberg pointedly didn't read the script, went to a meeting with Tim Burton, <laughs> right. and after five minutes said, look, I just want to work with you. I'll do whatever you want to sure. do. Sure, which is not unfair for him to do at the time, right? No, yeah. and certainly like Mark Wahlberg finds success when he works with strong directors. Right. You can see him right. going like, I trust you. You know how to use people. You'll know how to use me. Right. But it's clear that I think everyone threw to Burton like there must be some sort of guiding principle. There must be some take he's got on this. Right. And also the execs came in with a bunch of notes and he's just like, I just got totally lost in the thing. We started production like nine months before it was going to come out. The whole thing was rushed. I didn't have time to figure it out. Right. There was something where it had to come out whenever it came. Right. This is one of the first like we've marked out these release dates. Yeah, we so, we can't give it up. Yeah. It was being rewritten while they were like building the sets. You know, it's everything you don't want to do on a and movie. And like the sets scale, in this movie know? make no sense. Like until they get to the desert. <sighs> Excuse me, I think this world is very plausible. What are you talking about? No, go, until go they get to the desert, you're just like, I don't understand the layout of the city. I don't nah. understand if we're indoors or outdoors. How many of them are there? Right? They, are they? they they totally invert the original movie where the original movie starts in the middle of nowhere. Correct. And you get a sense, you feel like you're on a weird planet. Right. And then this one starts in like a really ridiculous looking set with like lots of green leaves. And yes. you're just like, I'm not on a planet of right. the apes. I'm, I'm on, on a, a back, set of I'm on a back lot of, <laughs> of the Fox studio. Like it has right. no, until like the second half of the movie where they Some go outside. Right. Yeah. It looks totally but, but fake. You say like, until they go outside, like all the stuff that's shot on sound stages, they build the sets in a way and light them so that they look like 
interiors. Yeah. So you're just like, are, is this ostensibly the town square? Am I seeing the outside of buildings or is this like the inside of an anthill? Right. Like, are they all living like inside <laughs> some giant, super, super unclear. But yeah, the original plan of the apes, I don't think you see an ape until like 48 minutes in. Mm-hmm. Like you start on the spaceship, right. he crash lands, he wakes right. up, he's out of sorts. There's a lot of Charlton Heston just like, in the desert trying to figure out where he where is. Where to go. That score is so good in that movie. Right. Yeah. And it's sort of like this weird, like, castaway, like, you know, yep. like Robinson Crusoe on Mars, like, survivor movie until the apes come in. And this, it's like, it gets to the ape shit really fast. Sure. You have no understanding of how their society works. And never receive any. Right. No. And Tim Burton at this point is like, you know, if there's one thing you could say his films are really about, it's like him trying to make sense of, like, uh, human behavior, right? This anthropological thing of like, he doesn't understand people who are like confident and feel comfortable acting normal, right? living in their like controlled, acceptable ways, mm-hmm. you know, normal jobs and polite conversation and all of that. Right. And so you go like, I guess maybe like that's what's attracting him here is making a movie that's like really looking at society in an anthropological way. But then there's no real take to like, well, they're in the city for about 20, 25 minutes. And you just get this one shitty dinner party. Yeah, the the one scene that did kind of feel like a Tim Burton movie. Sure. But is also so at odds with the tone of everything else in this movie. Right. But then it just becomes like a chase movie where they're yes. just they're just wandering around and people are chasing them. Right. So all the stuff that people love about Planet of the Apes, which is like the satire, the you know, the commentary on society, yes. there's almost none of it in none this of movie. It. None of it. This movie has no commentary, which is the thing above all else you would expect Tim Burton to have. Right. So like that's what I'm saying. Like the right. thing that you you you're looking for in this movie, and I'm going, yeah, that does sound like a Tim Burton movie. Right. It's not in the movie. Right. Cause like even like Dark Shadows, it's like, well, he still is coming from that perspective sure. of like, I don't Dark understand Shadows, behavior. Yes. People right. are weird. Not yes. one goth ape. Not one goth ape. You have those teens who look like they're smoking an ape bong. Yeah, that's oh, true. And they're yeah. wearing leather jackets and sort of yeah. like dancing. Yeah. yeah, that's true. <laughs> On a street corner. Mm. There's Rick it's Baker a- plays that hookah ape. You know when they yep. roll the cart and he's yep. taking a big puff <laughs> That's the other thing is like every background ape in this movie is giving a performance that feels like it would fit in like a theme park stunt show. Like, is just, like, jockeying You're for like attention. You're like a dark ride, right. Right, exactly, and they're just yeah. going so huge, like, trying to be the one who stands out in the shot. There's no sort of cohesion to, like, what the language is of the apes because they're stuck in this weird nether zone of, like, so are we making them, like, really feral? Right. Are they, like, all fours crawling around and they right. just have, like, verbal right. intelligence? And, like, Roman armor. <laughs> Right, because in the originals, they're, like, totally bipedal, yes. normal, like, anthropomorphic people with ape faces. You really believed apes could have meetings. That's the, the Black, the black <laughs> right. Books joke. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's such a, it's a, yeah, well, it's a quieter, talkier movie. But, of course, it was the 60s. Right. Now we're in the 2000s, baby! Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Ben. So it's like he <laughs> wants to make this, like, vicious, violent thing, but it's yeah. not an action movie. Not no, a successful one. No, no way. I mean, as we were talking about more gently in the Batman Returns episode, you know, Burton's skill is not with set, you know, action no, itself. Right. No, it's not a particularly thrilling action director. No. Uh, the action in this movie is that people jump up and down. That's right? the thing. It's is like that. It. I mean, yeah. I'm trying to think. Is there any other? It's a lot of jumping. A lot and of it's jumping. so much jumping. Wire and, yeah. and people, like you said before, like people, like glance, giving someone a glancing blow, and, and they, they fly like, forty <laughs> feet into the air. <laughs> right. And I don't think 
Tim Roth climbs a horse normally one time in the movie. <laughs> like he only gets on a horse, which he does like 12 times in the he movie does a lot. Yeah. with like a wire work jump where he goes like, ah! Yes. <laughs> like literally, that's how he does it every time. Ah! Yeah. He is the worst. I mean, not Tim Roth. I mean, I like Tim Roth. But Fade like, as a character. Fade, Fade is bad. Yeah. Like, worst dinner party guest. You Terrible. know, like, the, oh, the senator rude. has him over. He's Very rude. rude. He's yeah. mean. He's like, he's like, I love you, Ari. And he's, he's a creep. Is like, there a soul in it? <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like, like, his characterization is so different. Every actor is in their own movie in this thing. That's true. Yeah. Where it's just like, you know. Right, because it's like, are the apes sort of, have, do they have like a sort of samurai culture? Because right. there's some sort of Asian influence to some of the design and stuff. And then it's like, no, are they like Rome? Is this like right. ancient Rome? And or they're just sort of like, I think the production Sometimes they, it feels like know, they're like Pacific Islanders. Like, like they're in this B, sort of like right. Caribbean sort of like. <laughs> right. It, it doesn't yeah, make any yeah. sense. I mean, the original movie, the one other big difference we haven't really talked about is that in this movie, the, the humans can talk, right. which is another thing right. that I think could be interesting. Sure. Um, and I could it could almost make the sort of the racial metaphors more like interesting and overt because then it's like, like yeah. in the first movie, the humans are like, they're like animals in the right. first movie. So it's and they're like, all mute and it's right. a big all, deal that totally he's the like first human yeah. who's like, and yes. so like treating them like pets, you can sort of wrap your mind around that. But in this movie, yes. they're like literally saying like, oh, they don't have like the apes are like they well, these they don't have souls, the humans. But you're like, right. well, they're talking and they're <laughs> like, like you have to be different. like fully right. racist yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. to think right. like that, which I think, again, could be interesting but in the, the movie's not making any point. It has no, no. insight no, it, into again, like systemic totally, racism. Right. That's what I'm saying. Either, like, right. right. Inhuman, like you're just yeah. like, yeah, they suck. Or you're Ari and you're like, the humans are should live. Right. Tim right. Burton isn't equipped to say anything about that. Sure. Right, he might be the bad a bad director for perhaps what you're he's the about. wrong right. director for that Planet of the Apes movie. Yeah, yeah but exactly. Also, but right. also, he is like the right director to make a movie about like being an outsider, yeah, like being sure. cast out from society. Like he's but not good Mark at viewing Wahlberg that through a racial lens. Not no, his that's, avatar he's of the, the outsider. worst fucking avatar for <laughs> yes, a Tim Burton yes. movie ever. Yeah. So then oh, you go God. like, I think he's kind of relating more to the Helena Bonham Carter character. Sure. Well, he's he was definitely related and to Pericles. Bottom Carter. Let me right. tell you. Yeah, should have made Pericles the yes. main character. Did yeah, anyone else? Thank, thank you. Did anyone else feel like they were fucking with Pericles when they gave him a full spacesuit but no gloves? <laughs> yeah. Like, what's the point of that? And there's also the point where like Mark Wahlberg lifts his helmet on, and you're like, aren't those things supposed to be like screwed down? Yeah. Like supposed to be an airlock? <laughs> like they, like they, he that, takes it off like it's a propeller cap. That, that's like a it's like a Halloween costume. It's not doing anything no, for it's him. It's not doing anything for him. Like who decided? Uh, you know, it would be funny. Like a big boy pilot. For, just for us, just for, just for us, just let's for put shits. him in the little costume. It's and I also love that he like pilots the ship. Like they, it's I get putting like a, yeah. an animal in a ship if you don't want to put a human inside it, and you need a I don't know. To no, t- but it's like a ship with like, He's like control levers. <laughs> who let the ape? Who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> Like, we trained him. It's okay, guys. He's been training to go into the purple cloud. We trained him. This fucking movie. Just remote control it. I don't Just understand. remote control Just it. Just remote control it. They, they, they put him into the purple cloud. He vanishes within one second. Wahlberg's reaction to this is not like, that purple that, cloud seems that's dangerous. <laughs> like, oh, well. Right. Like, he's just sort of his his going like, like, here we go. <laughs> right. And then into the purple cloud. What happens immediately gets sucked into a time warp. And he's like, hey, what's happening? Like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe the experiment you just witnessed could have given you some clues. All right. the people who were like, do not leave the ship. were correct. <laughs> right. You've made a tactical error. 
Oh God! Right, and he doesn't want to be shirtless, so his like his spacesuit catches on fire, and then he just wears like it's artfully distressed, yes. tattered inner lining, yeah, which looks like a it fucking like Urban a Outfitters raglan. <laughs> <laughs> it has a very like Urban Outfitters quality yes, to yes. it. It really does. As you were saying, Matt, uh, the original. Uh, there is this interesting yin-yang thing where, like, he's looking at them as an outsider being like, I can't believe apes can talk. Mm-hmm. And they're looking at him the same way. Exactly. Like, they've never seen a human speaking before. Right. So there's not, like, I wouldn't say uneasy alliance, but even, like, Dr. Zayas, who's, like, more of an antagonist character, isn't, like, trying to hunt him down and kill him. Like, society is trying to make sense of this guy. Right. And this guy's just trying to find answers. And this is, like, just this weird, like, slave master situation that's also, like, verging on a civil war mm-hmm. uh, where where they just keep on, like— But then there's also the thing—I mean, you have, like, the sort of, like, the house humans. Right. Which yeah, is they just, do mention like, that. Right. right. It's, a, it's a, a lot to be playing a around with. A lot to be yes, playing around yes. with. And to play around with it so briefly and sort of— <laughs> So briefly. So, like, half-heartedly and, like, <laughs> right. then they just hand-wave it away and never right. bring it up ever again. And never bring it up. that point Eric where— Avari, I believe. Right, where the, Mark Wahlberg is, like, wow, all these people, where did they come from? And it's like, he, they've, he's they've heard about you. And it's like, wait, they just left the house? I thought they were all in cages? <laughs> Like, how were they all able to just, like, freely come and meet Mark Wahlberg? He's also very nonplussed about the whole talking apes thing. Like, right. he, he's not yeah. that phased. He's not that phased. He's like... At all. He's like, I mean, I knew, the I knew a monkey that could pilot a spaceship, so I right. guess this is fine. Not a big deal. Right. It just feels like he doesn't want to It's almost like he's seen Planet of the Apes. Yes. Right. And he's like, this is, like, different, I but kind of the mo- same. I think I'm in that movie. <laughs> but it has the contempt of, like, him being like, ah, yeah, no, I know. It's one of those fucking nerdy situations, right? What is it, some fucking time bubble or some shit? I don't want to ask too many fucking questions. Where's my ship? Fuel cells okay. Okay, let's get out of here. I'm trying. No, when I said before, like, oh, I was watching boy. this, and I was trying to think of, Nate, find another, like, hero in an action movie who that's not like Big Trouble Little China where that's part of the joke. Right. Like, who's less effective and causes more problems. Like, he literally causes the planet of the apes. Right. We find out later, he is the reason it exists. Yeah. And then... It's a total time, like, causal thing. Yes. Which, fine, I don't really have a problem with that, but just, like, he doesn't help anyone. No. And, like, they literally, at the end of the movie, they say, please stay. Yeah. You could do so much good if you stay. And he's like, I am getting the fuck <laughs> out of here. Which way is space? And, and you're watching my friend Pericles. I'm well, leaving him behind. But that's the thing. Pericles arriving, yes. which he does by himself yes. through his competent piloting he of the spaceship. He can control spaceship. the ship, so he it's no big deal. He lands the spaceship perfectly. That's my one. Wahlberg crashes it into a that's lake. That's the one joke in the movie that works, <laughs> right. is that Wahlberg always crashes the ship, yeah. and, and he can actually land the right, thing, which right. is pretty funny. It you is go, okay, so the weird time loop with this movie is, right, there's this one purple cloud one, that, like, distorts space and time, This right? purple cloud's no good, by the way. But then it seems like it's a specific, like, two-way, like, it's sure, a it's link a- between just these two planets, sure, right? Right. But, but time distorts when you go through it. So Mark Wahlberg, Pericles goes through it first. Yeah. Then Mark Wahlberg goes through it. He lands. Yeah. Then a day later, Pericles lands. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. Right. He lands later. Yeah. A day yeah. or two right. later. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Of course, but they're landing in the year twenty fifty. Right. Whatever. But my point like, is, they yeah. both land within forty eight like, hours of each other something. within yes. a future year. Yes. But they find that the 
the mothership, the mothership has crash also landed. gone through the cloud and landed hundreds of years. Thousands. Ago. They say they thousands. Say thousands. So the time, don't even think about the year. But yes, they say thousands. Right, thousands so of years. What are the odds that Pericles and Mark Wahlberg land so closely within each other? And that he right. lands like in the middle of the big climactic battle. But, right, but, but no, no, he but goes, this cloud is purple. So it's <laughs> prediction. You know, it's hard to figure out what it's doing, you know. But then he goes back through the cloud. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And somehow Thade got his own spaceship. Look. look the ending will get to the end. Okay. That's going to require that's going to be its own thought. separate episode. <laughs> but I just want to point out, as I was like, you know, Pericles lands. He lands all by himself. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's like a big boy. Yeah. When, <laughs> when, when he, Good boy, Pericles. When Good he boy. lands, right. the, the Olympic judges all give him right. fives. Perfect landing. When he lands, literally the sight of him heals all tensions between man and ape on yes. the planet of the apes. Because they think, they think he's, they think the he's their original But he's god. not. The no, actual god was one of the other chip. apes sure. in the... But right? he's yeah. one of them, so... Right, you know. Yeah. So just his arrival f- solves all the problems. Yeah. Right. Solves, like... Every problem, right? It's like a Braveheart full-on right. battle scene, and it all just instantly stops. Yes. Right. If at, Mark at Wahlberg, the Kalima, right? Isn't that what's called the yeah, Kalima? The Kalima, animals. the Kalima, Kalima yeah, animals, right. exactly. If Mark Wahlberg had just crashed his ship and like a tree had gone through his head and he was just yeah. dead and not in the movie, and then one day later Pericles had landed, would have yeah. made no difference. The all would have been solved. Less people would have died. There would have been a stupid war in the desert. Yeah. Right. Chris Christopherson's yes. totally alive. Exactly. Right. Okay. So there's no answer to this question. Sure. I know there's no good answer to this question, <laughs> okay. right? But this is what I ask. When Eric Avari is like, they all came here to see you. Yeah. And you're going like, wait, were they all slaves? Did they all individually escape or were they all free? Because it feels like Estella Warren, the boy, and Chris Christopherson are representing like like human survivors. Like they're like the leave no trace. Mm-hmm. We're like, we're living off the grid. Mm-hmm. Are there tribes of humans who are just independently like traveling around the forest looking for freedom or are all humans enslaved or about to be enslaved? You know, the, these are good questions. They're right. very good. I would love to see a the movie, movie has, that answered right. these questions. Cause in the original, no it's clear that it's just even. like, right. there are no independent humans. Right. humans in the originals are just animals. And you, you get say. in yeah. this, the Giamatti's like going around with his big net, like trying to catch them constantly. <laughs> his big net and his like H and M blue blazer. Right, I like that, like, Giamatti makes a strong choice, which is, like, this guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and he said that like, he and Burton read the script, and they were right, supposed the to be a third supposed act. To be good like, right. he learns right, to be good, and they were like, right. that sucks. He should just still be a piece of <laughs> right. shit. Why would he be good? He should sell kids aspirin. <laughs> yeah. Which is That's the only nice good note. joke in the movie. Yeah, it's a nice note. Yeah. He's unrepentant, which yeah. is fun. I mean, yeah, he is, he really is, he's the one person who really looks looks like he's having fun like in i mean in it's stark, a great performance in stark contrast to like <laughs> yeah. mark Wahlberg, who looks so miserable right. he is like just chewing up the scenery and having a grand old time is working that makeup so yeah, well like you can yeah. tell he's got the sort of discipline to like spend every day looking in the mirror and testing out how to get his expressions yeah. through the teeth the he's thing. got the incredible he's bad working teeth. It. yeah terrific his voice is perfect coming out of an yep. ape yep. he was the only person from the cast who said he wanted to do a sequel right. and when but they he wanted a sequel it, you can tell he <laughs> wanted like the fox executive thing he's like yeah of course we should make a sequel i don't know i want to see like apes in like an office meeting or something <laughs> <laughs> let me find the exact quote <laughs> like apes having like a business lunch yeah, Kalima. Um, I, I can't not think of Temple of Doom every time they say it in this movie. Kalima. <laughs> every sm- single time. Had they never seen Temple of Doom? No. no. Apes driving cars and smoking cigars, <laughs> wearing glasses, sitting in a boardroom, stuff like that. 
Again, I would totally see that movie. Sure. It sounds like a much better movie than this movie. There was a, a series of like uh, like live action shorts that they would play before movies in like the 30s and 40s called Dogville. Okay. Unrelated to the Lars Van Trier thing. Right. That is just like horrible animal abuse, but is incredible to watch. Mm-hmm. Where the entire thing is we uh, make dogs do human things. So they're like, it's a big day at the dog restaurant. <laughs> and there are all these dogs who are in costumes, like tied to chairs, sitting at like a dinner table. And then they've trained a dog to like carry a tray <laughs> and walk and pretend he's a waiter. And it feels like Fox just wanted to make that. Right, right, right. Like, can we just have apes do things? Like, that will be interesting to people. Well, if there was a planet of the apes, you know. <laughs> they'd, be doing, yeah, they'd, they'd be, be doing, doing those things. They'd be doing those things. Yeah. So... Maybe they were right and Tim Burton was wrong. I don't know. I don't think I don't think he was wrong because I don't well, think like, he made a choice. Right. In the absence of the goofy shit you're talking about, right. they have substituted kind of nothing. Like, Absolutely the nothing. Problem. Generic like, matrixy action. They ride yeah. horses. They have kind of like bad wire cone work helmets, fights. cone head right. helmets. Uh, there's some wire work. So bad. Some swords. Um, yeah. The moment I Spears, wanted to talk yeah. about mm. was when Wahlberg gets the gun. Uh-huh. And then the movie, like, that's like a moment where now, like, the he's got power. Yes. Right. And then the monkey just breaks Instantly it. Instantly destroys it. And then they it. just move on. Yes. And it makes, it made me so mad seeing it again now, because right. I haven't watched it since it was in theaters. No, you don't rewatch it annually? No. Uh, <laughs> I hate it. I hate this movie. I hate yeah. hearing you guys talk about it. I don't like talking about it. Uh, but that sucks. That is, like, such an obvious moment to, like... Yeah. Let Mark Wahlberg char- character now have like some power against the monkeys, but they're just like, no, we're gonna take but that also, away. It's why I think the Charlton Heston scene is kind of interesting because it's almost an idea, and it's almost an idea that's original to this movie. Because in the original series, all the apes have guns, right? right. Yeah, they have. They more, are they're like, more advanced in general. Yeah, but yeah. they have like rifles and they have pistols. Right. They also have nets and like you know. Like billy clubs, like they have all types of weapons, sure. but, f- but firearms are not a thing that they have not figured out. Right. Okay, this movie is saying like humans have guns, right? It's guns- saying that apes kind of their ceiling is like ancient Rome, like right. that's as bad as they can have like a civilization, but it's ancient, right? And that's like the deep right. dark secret is right. like they figured out that humans have guns, they took the guns away from the humans and have tried to rewrite history so that guns don't exist. And that humans have always been a lesser species. Right. Because they know if humans get access to guns, the whole thing is over. Right. Which is kind of an interesting idea. Again, if you want to dig into it. Right. If like, you want to explore right. that, that yes. is a thing you could do. Right. And, and it almost <laughs> then like gets in this thing of like, were the apes right? Like they created a new society because they knew humans no, but were too reliant on a destructive technology. Exactly. It's no good. It's no good. But you're like, that's <laughs> almost a hook for a screenplay. Sure, right, but the, but their society Apes sucks. evolved, they see that guns are actually the primitive thing, and yeah. so they, like, you know, enslave humans, <laughs> right. hide guns inside, like, very well-made artisanal fire drops. That's the, where no one would look. Yeah, where is, no one would look. No, no because one would it look couldn't physically be face. inside it. Right. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, no, what's the ape society? It's like David Warner is, like, an old senator. Yeah, you don't really see like but what, what is the he go- what is, is the right, government? what the government is. Yeah. I mean, in the uh, maybe- fade is like in charge, but all his decisions are just like him going like ah, 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 kill the humans. Like right. I mean, he doesn't like have a lot of like <laughs> like tactics. Yeah. No, right? 
No, just beating on people and Likes and jumping and jumping onto his horse very dramatically. Whee! Right, yes. and you're also like, is like, is Thade viewed as like the Charles Manson of like this <laughs> ape society in the way that he's just like constantly like hunched over and like sort of talking to himself about like oh, stinking humans, dirty humans. No, and then, he's the Abraham Lincoln of uh, well, he becomes and then as as a, as Abraham another, Lincoln as another <laughs> indicator of the uh, badness of Captain Leo Davidson, he doesn't defeat him or no. kill him he leaves him there right just literally just like he when he leaves the planet right yeah because he just feels like it he leaves him in he a leaves cell. Thade behind right totally fine Thade somehow gets access to another spaceship that's right. the only way to explain the ending right. right is that Thade beat him there yes he found I mean, a spaceship I mean, it doesn't it's still the ending still makes no sense to me. None. Clear, right? no. like, now there's some sort of DVD insert. Do you, you who who was telling me about? I this? I was telling you about okay, this. Okay. We talked about it in one of the commentary yeah. episodes. But the yeah. DVD literally came with a paper insert that explains that this because the movie does to, not has right a timeline and shows like wormhole like physics. Well, and, explain it. I I cannot tell you. I I mean, David, if you want to look it, try to find it. Yeah, supposedly Um, like first one in, last one out is the idea. Yeah, I mean, because I don't. (laughs) You have to believe that the the purple cloud itself has some sort of governing law. Right. That it's not a random. You know what I'm saying? Because it sends people out at different times, but the times are close enough in relation to each other, and it's only a link between two different planets. So if it was just Thade who got onto Earth, how did he make all the monkeys? Well, we don't. Yeah, right. That's the bar. That's the that's part one part of about three thousand parts that <laughs> right. makes no sense. There's right. one. All right, all right. So there's one thing. Some people think that he doesn't make it to Earth. Who's he? Wahlberg. Okay. Uh huh. He just goes in the purple cloud and then goes into the future of this is the more this planet of the same planet, the same right. planet of the. Except we see like. They, I know. I mean, when he left, they were all like, and we'll never fight again. But the, also, I'm sucks. pretty sure in that. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the movie, though, like he like they show Saturn and they yeah, show him yeah, flying to correct, Earth. Correct, and in the correct. screen. On OK, his, well, look, the screen on his computer says yeah. Earth like it, yeah. you have to willfully ignore actual evidence on screen. That's to buy a that fair theory. point. And I know I, uh, I mean, Burton Singh is mostly just like, I don't know, like there needed to be. Room for a sequel, like that's, right? That like his, that's he his, was like, like whoever made the next one is gonna let them figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> that's truly how he talks about it. Yep. Uh, a friend of the show, Alec Ross Perry, has pointed out he texted both of us knowing we were going to do this episode. Yes. That in fact the original book ends in a way that's very similar to this. Sure. The original book is very different. I believe it's a apostolary. Uh, uh, sure. The you, epistle. You mean yeah, uh, letters? Yeah, sorry, another word I mispronounced. <laughs> Right. Uh, it's very different from the original the film. Pierre, Pierre Boulle. Boulle. Pierre Boulle. Pierre Boulle. Um, yes. Uh, let's see. They fly back to Earth and they are greeted by a field officer who is a gorilla. Yeah. Is at the end of the book. They should throw this movie out. Yeah, they should. But I mean, they should drag it into the the uh, the garbage on their desktop and even, delete. Even <laughs> even <laughs> if you <laughs> yes, even if you sort of accept. Okay, well, if you go into the cloud first, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you're going to come out first, or yada yada yada. Right. It doesn't really explain how uh, uh, how he gets how Thade would get so far back in time. But let's just accept. No, let's right. just accept that he does. Like even if. Thade is able to find a spaceship inside the the 
desiccated thousand-year-old ruins of this thing that right. they also explode at one point. Yeah. Like, let's True. say he finds a spaceship. It works. He goes, he uses it. He goes back to the past. He creates this, this alternate timeline where apes are now in charge of Earth. Uh-huh. That still requires Mark Wahlberg, when he comes there, of all the places on Earth to la- crash land. Yes. He he literally lands at the at the Lincoln Memorial, right, right, right. which is now the Fade Memorial. Yes. yes. Just so they can have a riff on the Statue of Correct. Liberty. Now, now that you put I it that way, it the Fade Memorial really to this day. <laughs> yeah, I call it the Fade Memorial. I call it the Fade Memorial. Yeah. If I'm in, there. In right. Re- yeah. No. That's the Fade Memorial. Yeah. You mean Look in at, our world? Yeah. Yeah, it's the favorite. That's the favorite. That's fair. All right, here is a DVD. Here's an explanation. Okay. Time on Earth and time on Apes Planet move in opposite directions. David's, David's using his hands. Okay. Because <laughs> the are storm moves in opposite directions. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So that's why the Oberon lands, the, the space station lands like first. And then uh, Leo and then Pericles, even though so they the went. So the more time that passes in between the people who go through the the cloud, the further it sends them apart from each other. Exactly. So it's like even if Leo technically goes through the cloud first, like some other apes go through the cloud later, but they land earlier, like because of. So like the, if, the time, right. you know, you see it's opposite. Oh, Ben, Ben's leaving. If Wahlberg goes into the cloud, <laughs> he's tapping out. He's oh, tapping God. out. If Wahlberg goes into the cloud, has this ever happened? Yeah, sure, yes, yes, definitely, many times. We're very tired. So. <laughs> yeah, he wants the show to end in general. If Wahlberg goes into the cloud five minutes after Pericles does, in in the sure. law of ape time. <laughs> Last time continuum. Yes, yes, ape yes. Time yes. Is New, Newton's first ape time and ball. backwards. Yeah, the, ape, the ape time continuum. <laughs> right, means that he lands 48 hours earlier. Sure. So you go by transitive property. <laughs> right. If the mothership goes in like a day or two after Wahlberg, that would be thousands of years. Right. And if somehow, like, the only way they could kind of explain it is if in the sequel, Wahlberg goes back to the original planet and then Thade takes his spaceship. Yeah, mm. sure. But that's still I mean, asking clear- another movie to clean up your mess. Right. Yeah. It's I'm still trying to find this DVD insert. It's like kind of actual- like, you know, it's, uh, it is a little, it is sort of evocative of like the part of Back to the Future 2 where he shows up in evil 1985. Right. If you didn't like, explain how any of it worked or you showed Biff in the time machine or you did any yeah. of that stuff and you just stopped the movie right and, there. And also to Ben's point, when the mothership lands on the right. ape planet, it's this, the, the, right. the DVD insert is That's doing what, is. what I'm describing, which yeah. is it's showing how like the later you leave on one end, the earlier you, you arrive on the, on the other, other because as this DVD insert boldly proclaims, yeah. time does not travel in a straight line through an electromagnetic storm. Could you imagine just... It, Mark Wahlberg wants to so, take this thing's lunch money, this insert's lunch money. Maybe I misunderstood, though. Doesn't the doesn't the Oberon or the, the spaceship that we're somehow going to have in 10 years, because the, the human part of the movie uh-huh. is set in 2029? Yeah, can't right. wait. Uh, doesn't that ship go in as a result of Wahlberg's? Yes, they're that, trying to find Wahlberg. So how did they wind up, if they only went in, I'm going to assume, at best, days or weeks after he goes in, how did they wind up thousands of years well, ago? Well, that's the idea is that time moves so much slower that if Wahlberg goes in five minutes after Pericles, that oh, results two days. in him being two ah, days earlier. Okay. All right. So by transitive I'm property. I'm going to pretend I understand what you're saying. I think that's the idea. Yes. But to Ben's point, 
the Oberon goes in and they have all the apes that they've been like experimenting on. Sure. So that's enough right. of a species right. that if it lands over thousands of years can evolve into an entire race. Yes. But but and learn how to talk? Right. Sure. You go over time if they'd you know whatever. Yeah. But then you go how did they'd get I don't know. This is this is futile. Well no but what do you mean because like clearly yeah as long as you landed on earth at a specific moment you would have jeeps and Lincoln memorials right. and Washington <laughs> malls. Everything would be the same except for apes. That's the thing because the ape culture is so radically different. Yeah. Right. Right. Why would all of a sudden the ape culture that was firmly developed on ape planets? You know what it's like. Go ahead. Bear City. Do you remember Bear City? Uh, no. Bear What's... City was an SNL sketch. It was like a pre-digital short thing in the early 2000s. I think it was made T-Sean Shannon. And it was Bear City was like their riff on Planet of the Apes where the bears got smart and they decided to kill all the humans. <laughs> but they just took over doing what humans were doing. Sure. They didn't rebuild society. Right. They just put on humans' clothes and then just started their doing their best impressions of how humans act. Right. Because it seems like apes have different enough brains that they wouldn't be like, and of course this is what a police uniform looks like. <laughs> No, it's just like they kept the National Mall, right? Like you know, by and large. Right. I just feel like it's so instructive to the Washington like, Monument's still like there. <laughs> it looks exactly the same. I, I feel like it's very instructive though to compare like this movie with the original one when you're comparing the endings, which they very clearly were, were like, well, that one has Statue of Liberty, so right. this one we're, we got to have some kind of monument, <laughs> right. we got to have something crazy happen right. at the end. But like the right, it's got to be a shocking moment. Yeah. But the end of Planet of the Apes explains everything. Yes. That right. is the moment that makes it all make That's sense. That's why it's a well-regarded ending. And this movie is the moment where you're like, what the fuck? Like, what? And they start explaining it earlier because you have the little girl doll, which he's trying to make right. sense right. of. And right. Zayas is clues. like, you're not going to like the answer. Sure, it's not. <laughs> right. It's not like it comes you out of no. think that we should all be damned to hell. Yeah. Honestly. You may just yet damn us all <laughs> That's the other thing, too. Like, it ends with Heston having his moment of like, oh, no. Like, right, which you need that rather than Wahlberg just That's looking what I'm like, like Wahlberg's like, in oh, contrast, what's going on? Yeah, oh, what's right. going on? What do you What do you mean, out of Sam Adams? <laughs> <laughs> like he, it's that level of like confusion. I mean, the it, fact that apes have rebuilt the Abraham Lincoln Memorial. Yeah, it's not even like shock. It's more just like kind of ble- It's just like, ah, what? Ah, I didn't know it was that late. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, that sort of like. I think yeah. I got it. You got it. You figured it out. You went to the bathroom and you cracked this. I movie? cracked it. Uh. What what made you crack it? Taking a shit? Taking a piss. Okay. Um, He goes to the planet, right? Mm-hmm. He's on Earth. It's the planet. all Mark Wahlberg's now. It's oh, planet of the, is, the Wahlbergs. This is your, re, your yeah. rewrite. That should be planet of the Mars. That's the better ending. Oh, I see. And then he's just like, oh, this is ru- this rules. <laughs> and then they're just like. Oh, yeah. They like He high-fives the cop. Yeah. Wahlbergers for all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. America is just an endless, an endless line of Wahlberg. The United States of Wahlberg. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we, you and I have both talked about, David, how weird this phenomenon is because this is one of the last times where, like, a movie made a ton of money. Right. And the studio was like, we probably shouldn't make a sequel. The, right. right. The studio was wisely like, we got out this of this with our hides. You know, right. like, we got out of this thing, made a profit. Right. There's nothing to complain we about. We can't fool them twice. Literally, like probably, I mean, got a B minus cinema score, which is pretty bad for a big yeah. blockbuster. And like, it's just obviously no one wants, right? Uh, you know, whatever 
Yeah. Other than Paul Giamatti, oh, you're right. right? Nobody Me- else meetings wants a of the Planet of the right. Apes. But they or... like let it, <laughs> yes, they right. let it rest ten years and then came up with the most different interpretation possible. And when they released that one, I was like, "What are they thinking? Like yeah. this thing looks so like a stupid. disaster." Well they picked long. a nobody director yeah. for it. They picked James Franco. Yeah, is their Frida top Pinto. liner and yeah, Frida yeah. Pinto, John Lithgow. Yeah, um, like and then it did pretty well. Yeah. It was wasn't like a, like a sensation, but did pretty well. But like for a Solid. late August movie, and then it got really good reviews. Because mm-hmm. uh-huh. they weren't screening it until the last second. Everyone's like, this is going to be a fucking disaster. And then I remember like the embargo going up like 12 hours before the movie came out. And people being like, this thing's actually really well directed. Uh, right. It's, yeah, whatever happened to Rupert Wyatt? He did The Gambler <laughs> with Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> he took a big gamble on one. He sure did. Um, and then... Like, it's just interesting to me because it's like, you don't automatically make a sequel to that one either. No. It, it made gross less than the Burton. Yeah. Um, but they were, that movie was good enough, I guess, that they were like, now we can There's probably get a good sequel out of right. this. And they were right. They right. were correct. Yeah. And uh, sometimes Fox executives are right, I guess. I don't know how else but to put it. I mean, like, like Batman Begins is a similar thing where when you actually look at the numbers, that movie was not very profitable because it cost a lot. Right. And it didn't make a ton because I think there was still the post-Batman and Robin sting. Yeah. yeah. But they just knew, like, we're onto something here, double down, and then, like, Dark Knight explodes. Right. Uh, but this was the opposite. And, like, you hear now, like, really, like, James Gunn is, like, going to do Suicide Squad? Right. Like they feel that focused on trying to make another Suicide Squad movie. <laughs> Bizarre. Right. When they're already making a Harley Quinn movie. Like who wants right. this? Right. Like why do you need another you, one? Again, these? it's like you got out of Suicide Squad alive. Right. The reviews were terrible, but you made some Mo- money. The movie made no sense at you, all. You got right. Margot Robbie out of it and she, right. you know, she maybe you can build something off. better right. out of that. But I go like the same thing with like you're going to make Fantastic Beast 3? Like you're really That's different. Yeah. That thing still I think they're just sort of like they they're locked in. Like they're like we cannot not make so Wizarding much. World exactly. If, if you were a Warner Brothers executive, wouldn't you go to J.K. Rowling and be like, "You got any other ideas? <laughs> we'll make any. We'll greenlight any other idea you have." I would, that takes place in this universe. I would more be interested, like more be going to her and being like, "I know you pitched us five, but can we make this three movies? Like, can yeah. we wrap this up yes. now? Can we leave like, it all on the dance floor? Yeah, like because yeah. and can't that Broadway show? Can't we do that as a thing? Maybe. Right. Yes, they must that? be. Begging yeah. to do that, my God! But um, uh, like, cause it, I believe it was a five movie pitch for Fantastic Beasts, it's right? Supposed to be five, I believe. And as far as I know, Fantastic Beasts two was set and still set in the twenties or whatever, uh-huh. right? Right? Uh, I I didn't see it. You were the only one at this table who committed the crimes of Grindelwald. I think, right? Did you see it, Matt? <laughs> I did. I could not tell you when it was when it was set. Goddamn off, crimes! Uh, I'm gonna look it up now because yeah, 1927. I've read the Harry Potter books. Grindelwald is defeated in 1945. Well, that's a, that's uh, definitely a problem for our theory that they're going to just make one this more. This is what I'm saying. It's like, He's got a we, lot more crimes to commit. Are we putting the pedal to the metal over here? Like, when, Grindelwald's done some crimes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like the first one was set in 1926. So I was thinking this one would be set in like 32. No, 27. I'm like. Maybe, maybe the movies are about how like frustrating the legal system is that they still can't right. find something to pin. <laughs> like Grindelwald's the Jeffrey Epstein of his time. Right. He just keeps on somehow slipping through the cracks. 
I don't know. I mean, yeah, it, it is a weird thing. Like, you know, because people were like, oh, that movie's a big bomb. And Fox was always like, no, it was like very profitable. It was like one of our biggest hits. Right. It's it was Burton's like, fourth highest grossing movie ever, I believe. Yeah, but we just knew like there yeah. wasn't a demand for a sequel. Right. And now if they've like committed to a thing being a franchise, they will push it uphill by hook or by crook. Right. It made, let's play the box office game, $180 okay. million. Dollars. Uh, yeah. domestic. It's uh, more than you would think. By 362 a lot. worldwide. Multiplied well, like it had a huge opening weekend. Yeah. For its time, it was one of the biggest opening weekends 68 ever. 68 million dollars. I think that weekend. was maybe the number two opening weekend of all time after this. Because I, I previously said Rush Hour was the number two, but <laughs> Rush Hour 2 comes out after this and does a million less. Sure. These two movies do like 69 million back to back. Right? This does opens to 69? Right, right. right. I remember because I was 12 and I thought that was funny. 68.5. Oh, so, honest. okay. I thought the estimates were funny. The early <laughs> estimates. Um, and let's talk about its opening weekend. It opens number one. Okay. 68. Number two is the third film. This is, sorry, this is July 27, 2001. Right. The third film in a big franchise. The third film? Yes. Is it the final film in a big franchise? No, but for a while it looked like it could have been. There's a long gap between the three and four. Jurassic Park three? That's correct. Joe Johnson's underrated. You and I both can Rip roaring. <laughs> what is it? Like 92 minute the best dinosaur if, if movie. If yeah. yeah. Like where he's just like, can't they just go to a fucking island and there's like a bunch of dinosaurs and they run around and then they leave. Yeah, not a perfect film, but an yeah. example of a movie that just like does the basics that right. it needs to do is a tight little thriller gets in, gets out. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, now we're besieged with the opposite of that kind of a movie. Right. Uh, where it's like, it needs to be like a haunted house movie, but also about human cloning. Yeah. And also there needs to be like a volcano that goes off. And yeah. Like, I, I'm not going to invoke. <sighs> Sorry, what? You're not going to what? I'm not going to invoke. Mr. The captain. The captain. Yes. But did you read in interviews that he said that what inspired him to make his screenplay uh, for Fallen Kingdom that way was a Bridge of Spies? What? 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 <laughs> what does make that any mean? sense? What would that mean? He said that he liked that Bridge of Spies was like two different movies. Like each half was a different movie. And he was like, I want to try to do that. So one that, half like, is, a, is a volcano adventure <laughs> right. and the other half is a haunted house auction. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, number three is it was like a big, mm, it was pitched as a big comedy of the summer because of its like huge cast. Oh, it was kind of underwhelming. America's Sweethearts? America's Sweethearts. Oh my gosh. Joe Roth's Oof. America's Sweethearts. Because this is the first year of Revolution, right? Revolution starts. Sure. I it's around then anyway. Tom Katz is the first film that Revolution ever releases. Tom Katz. I believe that's 2001 and it was a big deal that like Joe Roth is starting a new studio. Right. And the big thing was he made a couple people's careers so he's going to get big movie stars yeah, to make their films gonna One show time. up. They're going to show up <laughs> for well, him. Sandler did it like three or four times because uh -huh. he gave Sandler Waterboy. And uh, and Julia, I think, did the... No, because Mona Lisa's smile, I want to say, was Revolution 2. Anyway. Uh, let's see. It was. was. It was. Him directing. Him directing. Mistake. Right. Number right. one yeah. of many. Yeah. And then getting... But Billy Crystal wrote it. Billy Crystal wrote it. Yep. Catherine Taylor jones was, like, uh, really on the up and up. Sure. That, mm -hmm. I think, weirdly is still... Uh, I was going to say it's John Cusack's highest grossing film, but I think in 2012 outgrossed. Sure. America's enough. Sweetheart. But up until that point, it was his only $100 million movie. Did not make $100 million. 99? 93. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> not that, not yeah, that more more than you would have thought. Not yeah. a memorable movie. No, it's not. No, no. no. I have seen it, but uh, do not really remember. I remember Christopher Walken's at it's the like end It's like Senator Junket, right? Stack yeah. supporting cast. It's, yeah, it's yeah. like a press junket. It's a junket. I remember Billy Crystal explaining his idea for the movie, which was so convoluted, which he right. was like, is is that the one? Is it's Julia Roberts like the ugly sister yes. in it? Correct. She used they literally to be cast, fat, I think. There's they like literally a cast Julia flashback. Roberts as like the ugly sister? Yes. Yeah. yeah. But she's not the lead. Like she's kind of a supporting no, part. No, she's she the lead. Ends she's up the lead. Being, but she's not in it. The movie's pretty ensemble It's ensemble She ends up being the romantic. She's the romantic yeah, yeah. lead. Because it's her and Cusack end up together. Falling, falling for her, yeah. you know, when he's because being positioned as like He's Catherine the movie Zeta star Jones's. who's yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in the movie with Catherine Zeta-Jones. Like right. She's right. the sister. Is she his, right. her assistant, maybe? She's the assistant. This is the first uh, movie. The, the Why do I remember assistant. these things? Hey, man. The first movie to come out post-breakup for them. But it's a movie that thinks that American audiences are going to be very interested in the inner workings of a press junket. A of, junket of a press planning. Junket. Yes, right, right, right. Because Seth Green is trying to figure out like what to put on like the buffet. Anyway, I don't know. Go on. Number four is a winning and popular comedy of the year. Scary Movie 2? No. That's number nine. Okay. 2001. It's a winning and popular comedy a of the year. A surprise hit. Oh, Legally Blonde. Legally Blonde. Nice. A good one. Robert nice. Lukitic's Legally Blonde. Yeah. What should have been uh, Reese Witherspoon's uh, second Oscar? Win? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Who wins that year? Halle Berry? 2001 is Halle Berry, right? Yeah, give or it to Reese. Or is that Reese. 2002? I think that's 2001. I said give it to Reese that year. That was kind of a stacked year, though. That was, we had uh, Sissy Spacek, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I don't remember. And that's 2001, else. you're right. 2001. Yeah, Halle 2001. Berry, Sissy Monster Spacek. Balls, 2001. Uh, what? I mean, Jennifer Connelly went supporting. Uh, you have Judy Dench's Iris. You have Nicole for Moulin Rouge. And you have Renee for Bridget Jones. I stand Take by my statement. comedy slot. I yeah. stand by my statement. Reese Witherspoon should have won Best Actress. Number five is a film we've talked about on this podcast for its famed production process. It's a heist movie. A heist movie. Oh, with oh. major stars. Oh, it is oh, a film. Ocean's Eleven. Nope. No, it is a film called The Score, <laughs> oh, in which Robert De Niro directed Marlon Brando right. through earpiece because Marlon Brando didn't want to listen to Miss Piggy. <laughs> <laughs> and when Marlon Brando also did scenes pantless because you want to force Frank Oz to use close-ups. Yes. And uh, yeah, your your Brando impression. I.e., the film that taught me how to become an actor. <laughs> <laughs> Tricks I still employ to this day. They still work, huh? Yeah, they still work. David, you know, here on uh, Blank Check, we like to look back a lot because we're kind of sure of context. We're retrospective folks. Right? Hindsight. Right. But what do you want to do? Uh, what do you listen to if you're looking for the context of what's happening right now? You want people to address the big wheelings and dealings and news items of the film world of, of today. I'm totally adrift. I don't know what to do. Slash Filmcast, baby. Oh, of course. You got to check in. At the Slash Filmcast. Yes. David Chen. Yeah. Uh, Devendra Hardwar. I mean, they're they're gonna uh, address everything that's that's going on. All the rumors, all the hot takes, all sure. the reactions. Yeah. You know, it's it's context in progress. It's history in the making, David. I mean, I also just like because it it's like intelligent people talking about movies. You you seem to be saying that it's some sort of like history defining thing where they're like writing opinions in stone. Well, to each their own. I do sure. think podcasts are written in stone as they should be. <laughs> They're recorded each onto a stone tablet. Um, do we do that with our podcast? We do. Do we have a stone library? Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. The slash cool. filmcast. It's like the Ten Commandments. These stones, I tells you. So, well, give her a listen. 
You don't have to yell. You should listen to the Slash Filmcast. It's 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 a great podcast. Uh, it's it's weekly or even more maybe. Sometimes they do a little daily guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you got you got great minds. You got great discussion. And uh, check it out. Yeah, check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, yeah, you also got Doctor Doolittle too. Sure, I remember yeah, Dr. a big Dr. farting set piece. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, cats and dogs. Uh, yeah. In which cats and dogs go to war? A weirdly successful film. The Fast and the Furious. They made a sequel to that. They did. They did. The f- Fast and what? What the is that? The Furious. Is I'm a, not familiar with I, that. I, one. I don't yeah. think that one ever went anywhere. Yeah, too bad. God, you know what I'm not into? I'm sorry, guys. Hobbs and Shaw. Not into it. Here's my... I don't like that trailer. It feels too, like, pleased with itself. If, you know we, what if I mean? it wasn't called Fast and Furious, would you be all right with it? Yeah. I if mean, it, if it was called, that's my take. If it was called Tango and if Cash. If it was called Tango and Cash, like, if they just straight up were like, we're just doing Tango and Cash. I think I'd maybe be slightly more interested. I would be interested in Statham because I'm enjoying this part of Statham. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sick of The Rock. Oh, I'm no. sick of him. I'm getting You're sick. You're turning of him. heel on The Rock. A little bit. I'm a little sick of him. Not like I'm not like furious with him or anything, but it's just or fast. like <laughs> But I'll say You know, he's kind of doing he's got like two things. I he's agree. doing one or the other. He's you know? sort of narrowed in on something and he's just doing it over and over. He doesn't yeah. even I mean, people have pointed out he doesn't even change the costume at this point. No. It's just like get me a khaki button down. It should think, have zips. Yeah. <laughs> right. I've cargo said this before. Cargo pockets, khaki right. button down with cargos, and I'm ready to go. I've said this before, but he brags about the fact that he only sleeps like 80 minutes a night. <laughs> and I look at him in one of his four movies that he makes per year You're now, right. and I go, You look tired. You're right. right. You look <laughs> A little he disengaged, seems buddy. Um, I will say this though. I agree with you. I've been in a similar position with The Rock, but I'm a little encouraged because for the first time in a long time, he's actually working with good genre directors. Yeah, well, right. Uh, you like know, David I like Leach David is good. Leach. He's doing so a Jamie Collette Sarah. Film. I haven't loved a David Leach yet, but he can. The guy can make an action sequence act. cut together. Right. Yes. You know, Atomic Blonde was one of those movies where, like, I walked out and, like, before I even crossed the threshold of the theater, I was like. Wait, what? What was happening in that movie? Right. <laughs> like, you know, and Deadpool two uh, is horrible, like fucking horrible. But you know, it's got it's some fine. okay action. I'm waiting for the PG yeah. cut. Yeah, sure. Well, One more re release. Maybe they'll just keep going until yeah. they hit G. Yeah. Did you see how many screens? A very whatever Deadpool Christmas or whatever Once was opened on Deadpool, in China. Please. How many? Did you see how many screens opened on in China? What, Clearly, five thousand. Thirty-two thousand screens. What? That's Did you see that? Is, does that Which is, cut exist because the regular Deadpool couldn't get approved in China? Possibly. I that don't know. It might make sense. That it was like sense. there was this thing where like the Chinese boxers was like, oh, it yeah. made $21 million opening weekend in China. And I was like, oh, that's a lot. And then it was like on 32,000 <laughs> screens. That's a $600 per screen average. There was basically no one there, but they opened it in 32,000 screens. That seems high. 32,000. They were putting screens high. up in other places. <laughs> Like a good supermarket. Like, is there like a forty screen multiplex that's just like it's only the Deadpool movie? Every like, classroom in China pulled down the screen <laughs> and the projector started playing. Like China has, I think, about five times our population. Not, sure. not. It's not like the multiplier is not enough. Like it's to, about to five justify times our population 000. and a hundred times our once upon a <laughs> Deadpool screens. <laughs> just crazy. Anyway, uh, no, the Jamie Collette Sarah doing Jungle Cruise has me a little excited. My sure. biggest problem with The Rock has been him, like working with Rasta Marshall Thurber and Brad Payton, who is the man who directed the Cats and Dogs sequel. Yeah. Like he found these kind of journeyman guys who right. clearly they were beholden to him. Right. I like him working with people who are actual stylists. Right. You know. 
It's a big difference between The Rock and uh, Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger is willing to give himself over to directors. Totally. Well, you got the Schwarzenegger expert. I know, that's why. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know. He's an artist. Right. He is. He is. And Vin's an artist. I think also, and The Rock has talked so much about how much he was spooked by um, Southland Tales. Yeah. Flopping. And I feel like that scared him off anything too freaky or, you know, risky. It makes sense. You look at the movies he makes now and that makes perfect sense. He also, it's just like, he's so much like a businessman. Yeah. You know, where I just now more and more start to see the sort of machinations behind it's very, everything. everything he does is very calculated. I wish he would just do an Instagram video where he's like, I'm excited for Hobbs and Shaw. I made it because I got in a fight with Vin Diesel and I like money. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, this is uh, something I did because I enjoy making money. And it's kind of just like a movie to come out in the summer. It's not going to be very good. Okay. <laughs> is everyone excited? But every time he like, he always has to be music. like, this is it. My culture yeah. like is intersecting with my action hero stardom. And like, you know, it's like, it's just the fucking, it, you know, billionth movie you made where you drive a right. car into someone. Like, like he- does it have to be <laughs> so weighty? He posted... Uh, Especially because the movies are so lacking in any yeah. sort of like thematic weight. God. When uh, when he was shooting Rampage, he posted one of those things where it was like, I remember being a five-year-old, my father bringing me to the zoo and pointing at the animals and going, you can trust animals in a way you can't trust humans <laughs> because animals always show exactly you what they what think. Exactly what I'm talking about. Right. I want to make a movie about that. And it's like, it was like a fucking, like a fucking Ulysses he wrote as like his Instagram <laughs> comment. Like, it was, like, 5,000 words long. Um, uh, There was something else I was going to say about him. Oh, a thing on his Instagram is that he has been more and more talking about tequila and how much he loves tequila (laughs) and doing tequila shots on set. So he's going to do a Clooney? Yeah, Yeah, 100%. But it's so mechanical because tequila never used to be part of his brand. Right. And now everything's like, you know my regular breakfast. Tequila in my oatmeal. Are you okay, Dwayne? <laughs> yeah. Please if you need help, Dwayne Johnson. Seem like he's an alcoholic because he wants to launch a tequila brand because he clearly got jealous of how much money Clooney made making tequila. Well, I hope I he's hope not he physically finds... capable of making more movies, so he has to do something I else right. at the same time. Yeah, maybe he needs to make more ballers. What if Baller suddenly was like on a Days of Our Lives schedule and there was like. 40 episodes of Ballers <laughs> per year. He'd find a way. Like he house of pains yeah. it. He makes 100 episodes a year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And now I'm just looking at his fucking uh, Instagrams. It's just, look, I love The Rock. I've been with him for 20 years. Of yeah. course. He's I've the known best. him since I, I was a boy. Yeah. You know, I watched wrestling when I was a kid. You know, all that shit. Like, I, it's not, I've enjoyed his rise to stardom. I just, yeah. I'm, I'm getting a little tired it of just feels like the exact same movie. Yeah. yeah, he needs to make a, a different movie. Yes. I, I'm um, a little, a I'm little for hopeful a for, uh, for Jungle Cruise. You got a good cast I, around him. I, I mean, Jimmy Sarah. It could be good. Is, it is also another movie where he plays a, a guy with a khaki shirt. Correct. Yeah, an action like, what movie are you with talking a khaki about? Shirt. Isn't Jungle Cruise just like the African queen Sure, but, but it's, it's gonna a be Disney ride. Directed by like the our weirdest. I love Jean Colasar. Yeah, love, yeah, I love the guy. But it's gonna be like the Planet of the Apes of of this kind of movie because it's gonna be all. It's not gonna be the African. It's gonna be like the African Queen if it was all an action movie. Right, right, exactly. Um, and I have no idea what the third Jumanji movie is gonna be, but like, 
I can't imagine that thing rushed to production, you know, like with whatever script they could find is going to be like a really justified sequel. All the cast additions are really weird, too. Well, who, Isn't like Aquafina, Danny Glover, and Danny DeVito? I believe that's, yes. It's not, I'm just looking for one cast those, subtraction. Those names are listed yeah. here on the IMDb. Uh, yes. uh, Nick Jonas is not involved, which is uh, great. Nick Jonas, it's Nick Jonas, right? Is it Nick yeah, Jonas? Yeah. That's the worst performance I've ever seen in a film. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wish I, I was like I I, came, I was aghast. I remember Mark I kept Wahlberg turning to you. from Planet of the Apes just went. <laughs> I we I, saw that together. I, I, it was crazy, <laughs> right? You turned to me. Your best line was you turned to me and just said like during his second scene when your blood was already in a boil. You turned to me and said there are other actors. <laughs> Why did they hire him? It's crazy. It's a crazy performance. There are it makes no sense. Actors. Oh my god. That yeah. Whew. All right. <sighs> great job guys. What a great podcast by all of what us. What a good time. Oh, Ben's uh, ready to Okay. Pretend. I'm going to yeah. Matt Matt I'm going to pimp you out. Okay. Oh hell yeah. Wait, is that a good thing or I a bad no thing? Idea. Because <laughs> it could go means. either way. It's I think it's a good thing. Okay. You of course are a connoisseur of movie tie-in meals. Yes. Now, uh, this film had a lot of, like, marketing, promotional partners. There was a big thing where this movie, they did uh, geocaching. Do you remember when that was a thing? Uh, vaguely. I, what, sure. What? There's a variety article about how they were like, we've planted Planet of the Apes props <laughs> in seven different locations <laughs> around the world. What? You have to get what we're calling a GPS device. It was a $100 oh. device that was just a GPS try to locate these props and they were like the world is going to engage in like a Planet of the Apes scavenger hunt. They had Reebok ads. They had all this shit but they didn't have any food tie-ins. Right. And the the Caesar trilogy later didn't have any food tie-ins. Do you feel like there are now with the, especially with Denny's who are kind of running the table yeah. on tie-in menu items the do you have an idea of what you think would be a good I mean bananas, bananas obviously. Bananas is the, yeah, the obvious thing. Right. Smoothies. Smoothies. Kong Skull Island, it was just like bigger it was versions. gigantic burgers. But, right. though, but, but Kong is huge. It, right, like it's not right. like that. That kind of worked. Yeah. yeah. Boy, you're really putting me on the What's spot. What's the worst one you ever had to do of those fucking things that you have to do? <laughs> that I forced myself yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah. No, like, no, I, that, I, right, no I have to right, do it. No, but yeah. you know what I'm saying. Like, um, What's the one at the end where you were like, like Jesus, the, the I think the Independence Day one, Independence, Independence Day, Day resurgence. That one had a lot of. Syrup, it had like a right? hundred items, right? Oh, it, and it, it was, was just, all okay. bacon, right? For some reason, they decided that that, that was a Denny's. The right. theme that was Denny's. Yeah, they were like the theme of this movie is and how it connects to us is bacon. <laughs> it is crazy how much more work Denny's is doing than any of their competitors these days. Because, like, when Aquaman came out, I was like, oh, there's, like, an Aquaman tie in a Burger King. I'm going to, like, get the Aquaman sandwich and bring it in and we'll eat it on mic. And there was no Aquaman sandwich. No. And I was like, there has to be some dumb, like, fish with bacon <laughs> that they call, like, the curry burger or something, right, you know? Right, right, Or maybe it's fish with curry sauce or whatever. I don't know. I think Cold Stone Creamery had some sort of special... Aquaman Burger King ice had a time, but they didn't have any items. Cold Stone and Pinkberry each had their own, like, ocean blueberry. Yeah. I don't know. I hop, I mean, I hop is the one other pe person in this, or person, they've, entity they've in been this space. they up to play? Yeah, they had everything green for the Grinch. That was the last one. Oh, how was green, that? Green pancakes. Were the flavors green. different, or were they just? It tasted, well, they were, like, incredibly sweet. It had, it was like a green pancake with, like, literally, like, like like icing on top. 
and 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 little red candy hearts. Yeah. Yeah, oh, it was a lot because his heart is tiny. Exactly, you got it. Okay, I mean it, that's better than bacon for Independence Day. At least it makes some sense. Bacon's pretty American. That's true. Um, uh, Matt, thank you so much for being on the show. <laughs> <laughs> it was really my pleasure. I love this movie so much. It was so great to revisit yeah. it. <laughs> you begged. I've and been begged waiting and for. I've been waiting for eighteen years for a legitimate well, excuse to rewatch couple- it. Oh, one thing I want to say: the oh, Elfman please. score. The opening theme yeah. when you're on the credits, yep. you're like, "Whoa, this is crazy!" And, the yeah. and then, rule. like, the That's score, the, like, is the rest of the time is just boring. I thought nothing. the same exact thing. I was watching, I was like, "Whoa, the score what is actually pretty fun." Banging theme, and like, get all the weird percussion. And then, totally yeah, forgets yeah, it. Right. He, dunk, dunk, dunk. I think he just worked so hard on that, and then I don't know, like, maybe he like hurt his leg or something. <laughs> I just forgot to but do also the rest. The opening or credit saw the rest sequence. and was like, this yeah. is not worth it. <laughs> right, why am right. I why am I using the A material here? Right. The opening credit sequence is like if they had like a temporary exhibit at the Museum of Moving Image and you got to see the costumes up close and you're like, I guess there was some good craft in this movie. Right. Like when they're doing those detail shots of the helmets and stuff in the opening credits, you're like, some of this looks cool. Feels very Saul Bass to me. Yes. Yeah. If Saul Bass had done the original Planet of the Apes yes. opening titles, which... He did not. No. So I'm not sure why. Poster, right? I feel like there's a poster that looks very Saul Bassy. Who so. knows? Someone. I'm not going to look it up now. Uh, Matt, thank you for being here. Sure. Uh, David, thank you for being here. <laughs> Anything you want to plug, Matt? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, all right. That's Are there fun. any tie-in meals on the horizon? I don't you tend know. to not get like I mean, much of a, a heads up. No, you? they just kind of emerge. People they, they do them very quietly. Right. I guess yeah, you can just follow me on Twitter at Matt Singers. That's if there is one, you'll find a it there. smart follow and all the good, all the good, good follow anything anything good worth that I that's worth sharing. I'll just post there anyway. So right, yeah, I guess that would be about it. Right. Uh, thank you all for listening. Mm-hmm. Is a thing I'll say, and the mm-hmm. thing I'll say is uh, please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Right. Um, if I can add to that, I would say uh, thanks to Lee Montgomery for our theme song. Uh, addendum to my last note. Uh, thanks to Andrew Gruda for our social media. Yeah, drag this out. Uh, postscript. Uh, thanks to Joe Paul and Ben Reynolds for our work. Ben is taking a nap. Thanks to General Thade, too. Thanks to General uh, Thade. Build him a monument. Thanks to... For whom he saved the planet. Ada. It Ari, makes no sense. The memory Limbo, of General Thade. Pericles. Enshrined forever. Dana. Uh, uh, Captain Leo Davidson. Love yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, thanks to, Big ups uh, to Captain Leo. Uh, Dirty Chris Christopherson. He's so dirty. <laughs> Built though, arms yeah. on we, that. He's got some guns. Ooh. He really does. We didn't talk about the fact that he exists in this movie to die. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> to kind of look like Hestony, sort yeah. of like he's got like a Hestony vibe. He does. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's kind of a, you know, uh, look, maybe maybe this is like a fizzle out ending, but this uh, at least replicates how I felt walking out of the theater going like, no, dad, it was good, right? I mean, there were some scenes that we liked. It, sh- it should be an exasperating experience. We, if you're going to really nail yeah. this movie. We left at that aspirin joke, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah. And then after this, he he uh, he makes a big fish. Big fish. We're going to talk about it next week. Yes. Okay. Do you have anything else to say? I don't no. know. No, no. It's been great. Great episode. Another great episode. Put it in the Hall of Fame. Yep. Uh, well, as and, and as always, I le- I can't even think about anything else. I've exhausted every single thing I could possibly exactly. say around this movie. Right. So what's what's the end? And as always, what is it? Is it is it just us throwing up our hands and defeat? Sure. Purple cloud.
Okay, so it's maybe we just say purple cloud. Okay. Pericles. Pericles. So I'm just going to say both of them. Pericles Fox. Okay, ready? This is what I'm going to do. Here we go. We're showing the process. Now people know how the sausage is made. Ready? It's not usually how it's made, to be clear. No, this is always how it's made. We cut this part out, and this time we're leaving it in. It's usually a tense negotiation at the end of the episode to settle what the end as always is. Ben, keep it in and doubling it, and as always, Pericles fucks a purple cloud. (laughs) 